All right, boys. So you know I've struggled with pain. You know I've struggled with weight loss. You know I've struggled with anxiety. And you know I've struggled with sleep. What if I told you there was a place that could help you with all of these things? True Life Dispensary. Pain relief without narcotics. Sleep, weight loss, anxiety relief. You can find this at 117 West Commerce Street in Hernando. Hours, Monday through Friday, 9 to 7. Saturday, 10 to 5. So check them out and get your life turned around. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Sis got blah boy, sis got blah boy. Sis got blah boy, sis got blah boy. Yo, what's up, everybody? It's time for the In Off The Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-hosts, my partners in crime, my brothers from other mothers, Jim Cross, Randy Jowers, and guys, tonight's episode 22 titled T-Pick for Six, because we got the man linebacker for the University of Memphis football. He is kicking off our football season here on the podcast. He's going to talk to us about all his seasons at Memphis. He's going to get us pumped for this upcoming season and football in general, guys. So I'm excited, man. Help me welcome on to the show with the biggest interview in podcasting this week, University of Memphis football linebacker Thomas Pickens. Thomas, my man, how are we doing tonight? I'm doing well, man. Can't complain. Can't man, complain it, at all. It's great to have you on because, to be honest, you are priming us for football season. You are our first football guest of the upcoming season. And uh, what a way to kick it off than with my favorite team, the University of Memphis. So uh, before we dig into all things Tigers, you, you got to give us a story. So we got to go back, man. Take us back to, to the childhood, man. Where are you from? Where did you grow up? Um, I'm from Memphis, Tennessee. I actually grew up in uh, the Whitehaven area. So I grew up actually, first love that I started playing was uh, actually basketball. My mom's a basketball player and uh, I played basketball for a long time, played AAU basketball. I played with against a lot of players in Memphis that are considered like really good players, like D- uh, Dedrick Lawson, KJ Lawson, um, Dylan Mitchell, Naba, Jeremiah, Martin. I played against all those guys growing up. So that was my first love and what I spent a lot of time doing. Um, after I finished playing basketball, I stopped playing basketball about eighth grade or so. And uh, I-, I picked up a passion for baseball and um Played baseball for a while, played travel baseball with the Giants, the Travelers, um, du- du- the uh, Doolins uh, baseball team. And uh, I love baseball, still love baseball to this day. Wear baseball hats all the time, follow baseball, and I love it. Um, it's something that I just love. And um, football was kind of a thing. I played football. Actually, first time I ever went to a football practice when I was young, I cried. <laughs> I cried and uh took a took a year off and my dad took me back and, and that's when I kind of began to play. So I grew up in the Whitehaven area, played for the Whitehaven Vikings, and everything about me was Whitehaven. Everything I knew was Whitehaven. So that so was Dan- that was pretty much how I went. 
So, Daniel, when you look up athlete in the dictionary, you see a picture of Pick there because this man played everything. Yes. I played baseball, basketball, and football as a kid and growing up. And so I consider myself the ultimate athlete until you came on. So now you, my friend, are the most ultimate athlete we've ever had because that's quite the the variety of, of, of sports that you got. But also, more than anything, it's it's – a testament to how good of an athlete you really are, because if you can excel on those types of teams, those travel teams and be where you're at right now, like that's, that's unbelievable. So you, you talked about mom being a basketball player and I read that she played at, at Memphis. She so she was obviously an influence, but was there others, was there brothers, sisters playing sports was dad like, like how did, how did the sports, how did you get started? Uh, honestly, it was my dad. My dad loves sports. Growing up, like, we we would be in, like, the den area of the house, and I would be tackling the pillow. Like, we he would we would sit across the couch from each other, and he would throw the ball back and forth as hard as he could just to see if I could catch it. And it was really my dad. My mom played basketball. My sister played basketball. She's eight years older than me, so she's, what, 32? And my brother is older than that. He's about 36, 37, and he actually – was Gatorade Player of the Year in Tupelo when he was in high school, and uh, he was able to get a scholarship to go play at Mississippi State. And um, so, so sports is in my blood, and it, it all I, I tested all to my dad. My dad really pushed me out there to be a better athlete in all the sports that I played. So when when I I hear these these array of sports and I hear the background, to me, like what 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 I picture is the like we said the ultimate athlete but i picture you being the best player on every single team that you played on like it's hard for me to fathom the fact that you you didn't play when you first started football you stopped and then came back to it um so what was it about the second time around playing football where you're like all right like i i got this it was it was really just the whole thing about like the contact because I, I had already played basketball for so for for a while, but football was different because you you actually you, it's a lot more contact than what you realize just like seeing it and hearing about it and playing it in the yard like actually padding up and going to practice and actually hitting somebody it's different than just playing in the yard like it, it's totally different. Uh, I'm gonna be honest. Uh... I, I had sort of the same epiphany because when I first started a couple of days in, I was like, man, I don't want to do this. And my dad was like, give it two weeks. But part of that was I have a baseball background, but now I'm going to a sport where like I'm allowed to like just demolish people. Yeah. You go hard as you want to. Yeah. So like, you know, you're, you're a kid, like you have some, some sympathy and some compassion. Now you're thrown in the mix and you're like, get rid of that sympathy and that compassion and like go hit somebody. But I remember distinctly the first drill that we were doing, it was about one kid laid on the ground on one end, the other kid laid on the ground on the other end or about, I don't know, seven or eight yards apart, put a football behind your head. You had to on the whistle, get up, pick up the ball, run as fast as you could, as hard as you could right at each other. And just, I don't even think tackling was it. It was just how hard can you hit? hit each other it's like yeah. nobody ever failed it was just like you either get ran over or, or you just hit each other so like that's a shock to the system when you started but i think 
myself like you you, you kind of figured it out all right like this ain't that bad like let's go and then like it kind of like you get a little bit of that addiction and that itch and you start all right i'm a little bit better at this let me push a little bit harder um but as you're getting older as you're figuring it out like what positions are you playing are you i know, I know you're a receiver in high school but were you a receiver as a kid were you like were you running back were you defense I, or did you play it all? i can i can honestly say i'm probably the most skilled player because growing up, it's crazy. I started off as a defensive end and played uh, running back. And um, the next year, we had weight limits in the league I played in. So the next year, I ended up barely making the weight to be a running back. And I played running back and tight end a little bit and like linebacker. But the very next year, I played offensive line. I played left tackle. <laughs> and I played left tackle. I Man, I play left tackle, I play quarterback, and I just play all type of positions. And it's ridiculous. People see me now, and they're like, you're a linebacker? Like, you used to be so small. And I'm like, yeah, I never thought I'd be this big. But younger, I played everything. Like, it was never it was never a year that I played the same position I played the year before. Yeah, to me, like, I get the whole weight limit, like, per position, like, rule. But, like, I didn't like it because I was a fat kid. And, like, I got put on offensive, <laughs> defensive line. Like, but as a baseball player, I could throw the football better than anybody. But, right, you know, it was like I wanted the glory of being the quarterback too sometimes. Why are you going to put me on the offensive line? Come on now. It was but, terrible. But, uh, it was crazy because I wore number 66. It was really ugly. <laughs> I mean, I had 73, so I can feel you. Like, that's, that's a that's a rough number. Like, it's not nothing yeah. sexy about – those numbers at all not at all no you, not at all you wear your jersey to school and the kids are like 73 Who, who's number 73 why'd you pick that number and i was like well i was just giving that number man yeah so as a kid yeah you, you're bouncing all over but you you kind of you find your niche obviously on offense and then it it, it springboards you into mus and before i, I let jim take you through your high school was MUS a place, because I know some private schools allow you to play as an eighth grader, as a seventh grader. Is that how MUS worked? Uh, you, you, usually at MUS, when you're in the eighth grade, you usually stay in like the middle school level. You usually don't really play up. But usually when I was there, we would repeat the eighth grade. So once I repeated the eighth grade at MUS, I sat out my freshman year, so I didn't get to play that my freshman year. So I got a question before we get into MUS. You know, you mentioned all the athletes in your family, and I'm just curious. You know, you, you obviously gave Pops a lot of props, but then you start talking about your mom and your siblings. If you had to pick who is the best athlete in your family, who are you giving it to? I mean, if I'm not going to give it to myself, I'd probably give it to my brother for sure. He, he switch hit, Gatorade Player of the Year, cornerback, at Mississippi State, like, he was he, he was pretty athletic. I'll give All right, but you said if you're not going to give it to yourself. Now, if I give you the option to give it to yourself, is it you? It's definitely me. If I, if I, if I, can, if I can take it, I'll give it to myself. I hear so, you. Look, let me, let, me, let me give you some advice now. Whether you believe this or not, you always got to say mom. Mom got to <laughs> be first. But I guarantee you if we put mom on here, she going to say it's her. Oh, she probably will. We... I play, I play, 
played basketball against her like one or two times. I I, I have to give her a prop. She could she could actually shoot it pretty well. With y'all being, you know, competitive athletes, was like everything y'all did, like even when it wasn't athletics, was it always competitive? Everything is competitive. Who can who can run to the mailbox the fastest? Who can do whatever? Who can open the door to the car first? It was always competitive. Like everything we did was competitive. I hear you. All right. So as we said, you went to <clears throat> MUS. For those who don't know, is that a small school, a big school? It's pretty small. Very, very small. All boys. All boys. That just sounds terrible. I don't even know what to say. No, uh, <laughs> I knew that, obviously. But, um, you know, I know with MUS, before we get into athletics, I know academics are a big thing there. Um, you know, how tough was it going to school there academically? Were, were you were you a decent student? Were you a stellar student? Or you just, man, try to do what you could to get by? I was. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say I was a stellar student. Uh, it was, it's very academically challenging. Um, I just think about how many guys we had there with us. Like we had Dylan Mitchell, Colin Watkins, Anthony Miller. Um, we had so many guys that just struggled academically that they just had to let go because the the academics are not changing. Like they're not changing the courses for anybody. Right. But I, I struggled. I struggled very early on. My freshman, my eighth grade year when I got there, I struggled. Two Fs and a D. I just I had made it all A's and B's my whole life. And when I got there, it's just shocking to see like, hey, like it's 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 really different than public school. Yeah, absolutely. And so with that, we'll get into the athletic side. But I was curious because you know, private schools, you know, you always hear about how tough it is academically. So what all sports, before we get into just football, what all sports did you play while you were at MUS? Uh, I played baseball, and I also ran track a little bit, and I played football, obviously. Did you do, uh, did you do them all, all four years? I, I did do everything all four years. I stopped playing baseball my senior year, like halfway through my senior year. Got you. Uh, was it just was it to focus primarily on you know football or, or what, what was the, what was the reasoning for dropping off? Originally, I dropped off. Honestly, it was just a, we had a coaching change, and me and the and like the coach, he had a different coaching style than what what I had been similar to for all the other years. Kind of wish I didn't quit, but it was just what it was. It kind of probably helped me focus on football more, but. It was just the coaching style was different. It wasn't something that I truly liked. So I just decided to cut my ties with that one and just go focus on football more. I understand. And one of the questions we like to ask, so since you were playing all those sports in high school, um, you know, obviously your off seasons don't look like other players off seasons who might play one sport. Do you think it benefited you training wise to be able to play all the different sports? I know, I mean, obviously track speaks for itself, right? I mean, it's going to get of you course. ready for everything. But, like, you know, playing baseball, playing football, did it did it hurt you in football? Or do you think it helped you to to kind of get away, step away and play a different game? I think it helps in, in, in high school just to play one sport and focus on one sport. Your whole time is it's, – it's not fun, honestly. And baseball trains you in different ways than football will, like, you always have to stay ready in baseball. It teaches you quick twitch, teaches you focus, teaches you discipline. Because baseball is a lot more challenging than football. Like, you can be a great hitter in football and baseball and only hit the ball 40% of the time, you know. It teaches you a different discipline than what you, than what you learn in football. Yeah, absolutely. 
All right, so let's get into the football side of things. You know, we're going to start freshman to, to senior year. You know, what, what was it like freshman year? I mean, um, were you a starter right away? Did you have to work your way in? How'd it go? So my freshman year, I actually didn't play. I practiced um, with the team. I was on the scout team. I was like a scout team wide receiver, running back. Whatever position was the best player that for that team we played that week, I was the best player. And I just did that on scout team every day, every weekend, every week for the uh, for our team. And we were actually pretty good. We went to, I want to say we went to state maybe that year, and we ended up losing to Answorth, but we were really good. I got you. And so about you know, what when would you say then? When did you really start to to get yourself acclimated and really start to to shine? Then was it sophomore? Was it junior? Um, my sophomore year. Honestly, my sophomore year, I felt like would have probably been my most breakout year. Um, I was really small, and I'm like 225 now. I was probably like 180, 170 something then, playing free safety, and I was just really fast. I from my days of playing baseball, I tracked the ball really well, and I could tell which way the ball was going, and it was easy for me to read the ball. And uh, my first game we played against Brentwood Academy, I had 12 tackles but I ended up dislocating my shoulder. And uh, so I played that one game that, that year, did, did well in that game, but I wasn't able to continue to play for my sophomore year. And uh, my junior year was when I really just broke out and became myself and everyone started to know who I was. So, all right, if you had to pick between, so, you know, breaking out and really, you know, showing people what you got, sometimes is it feels greater than maybe um, once you've become and solidified your star. Would you say you enjoyed your junior year really breaking out and coming off the injury, or was it your senior year? I really enjoyed my junior year a lot more than my senior year because it was just like no one really knew who you were. So every game it was kind of like a shock for the team to see this guy. They're like, whoa, who is that guy? He wasn't. He didn't even play his sophomore year. How is he putting up these ridiculous numbers? And we had a lot of other pieces to that team that people focus on. And, and I was just a guy that I was always out there making plays. And they were like, who is this guy? And just people started to know. So I would say my junior year over my senior year for sure. Would your, would your junior year have been 2015 or would it have been your senior year? Uh, I graduated in 16, so I think 15 would have okay, been. So that, okay, so that would make sense to what you're saying. I want to make sure before I ran myself into a wall. So I got it right here. You played, you played receiver and defensive back. You caught 39 passes, 783 yards, seven touchdowns. Then you had 53 tackles, MUS position performance award. I mean, so that just solidifies everything you just said. You absolutely killed it. Um, so that was your best season individually as a team. You know, you talked about what y'all did freshman year. Was that the the best year y'all had as a team or, or was it a different year? Uh, I would say, honestly, our freshman and sophomore year was pretty big. We went to state back to back years. We lost to Innsworth both years. But the years that we lost to him, though, they had Corn Elder and he was he was ridiculous. That dude touched the ball and didn't get touched. His O-line was ridiculous. Would you say he's the the best player you ever played against? He probably would be the best player I've ever played against. Um, played against Derek Barnett, but Corn Elder was ungodly. Like he was so quick, and he was just different. He was a different athlete. I got you. So you know, we're saying who was the best player you played against. 
you know, you got to give a shout out to one of your teammates. Who's the best player you played with? Oh, that's tough. That's tough. I would say the most exciting player to watch was actually Cole Neal. He played uh, baseball at the University of Memphis, but he was really exciting. He played running back and he was electric every time he touched the ball. Like, I'll never forget one of his runs versus South Panola. He ran over a dude and the dude kind of tackled him. And he rolled on his back and ran for a touchdown in the rain. It was just ridiculous. That was a, one of the first times we beat South Panola in a long time. And yeah, is that is that is that when South Panola was still like really at the top? Yeah, yeah they, they were. Yeah, they were legit. Yeah, because there were there was a stretch for a long time where yeah they they were definitely down in Mississippi. They were really killing it. So at what point was it junior year when you really took off? The the college scout started recruiting you. Yeah, it was like honestly the the recruiting process for me was was like very delayed. Um. My junior year, I put up all those numbers, and I, I I had interest from a lot of schools, but a lot of schools were, like, hesitant on pulling the trigger. I don't know why. But my first offer came from Arkansas State. I'll never forget, sitting in the hallway, they called me. My coach gave me the phone. They offered me. And then after I got Arkansas State, they kind of began to, like, trickle in slowly. And I started getting more and more offers and more and more looks, talking to more and more schools. So my junior year was when I got most of my offers, for sure. So you start getting all these offers, and so the question becomes, why Memphis? Is you know, is it is it because that's who you always want to play for? It's the hometown team, or you know, was it was it the way you know they treated you? What what was it about Memphis that made you choose there? Um, really, it was just Coach Dickey. Coach Dickey, he was he was one of the he was the guy that I talked to in my recruitment the whole time. Uh, he always talked to me. He always kept it honest. And um, he was just really honest with my dad about the whole recruitment process and what they were looking for. And Coach Fu was doing a great job of bringing that team up. And I just wanted to be a part of a team that was, like, on the rise. And I was like, why not be a part of the team uh, – be a part of a team that was on the rise than the team in my own hometown. Yeah, no doubt. So just kind of expanding on that, you, you sign, you know, with Memphis – and what was that first day, you know, on campus like? Obviously, you know, you're a hometown hometown guy. So, but I mean, what was that first day on campus like? And obviously, we'll dive into this a little bit later. Was it a culture shock coming from a like collegiate preparatory school like MUS to Memphis? Um, it it honestly wasn't much of a shock because MUS is like college, so it prepares you for college a lot. The only thing that I say was a, a, a shocker was my my first workout at Memphis. I never forget. We ran 300 yard shuttles, and it was so hot. We worked out at 2:30 in the afternoon. We wore black shirts. We couldn't untuck our shirts. We had to all be dressed the same. And I'll never forget doing that run. And I, I'm running. I never forget. I'm running like the third rep. We ran like five of them. Running like the third rep, and I'm thinking in my head, like, do I really want to play college football? Like, <laughs> is this is this is this really what I want to do? Like. We're gonna do this every day. I don't think I'll, I don't think I can run three hundred yards in like a couple seconds every time and make the time. Do, do yeah, you no, ever, no doubt. Do you do you ever think, looking back on it, you're like, all right, why the hell are we running three hundred yards? There will never be a time where I ever have to run three hundred <sighs> yards in a game. It's still it's still time to this day where we do workouts, and I'm asking the strength coach like, why are we doing this? Like, why are we running? why are we running 200, 200 yard shuttles? Like I don't run 200 yards in a play ever. Like 
It just doesn't happen. Well, they figure if you can run two and three hundred, that hundred yard pick six ain't gonna be nothing to it. That's right. They they say, oh, when we holding up a conference championship, that it'll all be worth it. Yeah, it's got the coach speak. So look, I know you said it was Coach Dickey, but let me ask you a question because this has really gotten a lot of uh, uh, you know attention over the years the threads that that you guys wear man you know the chrome helmets and the all blacks i mean what was it like just kind of knowing you know maybe it's not oregon but they really made a name for themselves you know in memphis with the uniform so what was it like putting on them fresh threads every game it was it was ridiculous like coming from a school where you know you usually have like one or two jerseys then you get to college and you got like four or five combos like jerseys five helmets like getting a different helmet every week getting a different jersey, different cleats, brand new cleats. Like, it was ridiculous. Like, I still think about it right now. Like, we get new jerseys almost every year, and I'm like, this is like, we really spoiled. Like, yeah, we get nice stuff all the time. Right. Thanks, Nike. Appreciate. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, so was there – did you feel any – obviously you played against and with a lot of, you know, talented guys at MUS, but was there any kind of a not, – not culture shock, but was there a talent difference from what you played with and against then for the practice in at Memphis? Yeah, it was completely different. Uh, just like uh, – I can't think of his name. Was it Jim? Just like he was talking about earlier or someone. Like, I played a lot of sports, a lot of teams. I was always, like, one of the best, like, the best athlete. When you get to college – it's not like that. Like, there's so many other people. Like, I was a freshman, and Anthony Miller's on the team. I'm like, this dude is a monster. Like, he's going crazy at practice. He's going crazy in the game. Like, just to see people like that and go against them in practice, and you're like, I thought I was the best. I think, like, look at this dude. Like, he ridiculous. Right, and you're a DB, right? You got to go up against a guy like that. Right. When I was young, I was playing safety, going going against Anthony Miller when I was young. I'll never forget some of the stuff he was doing. I'm like, this dude is different, different. So- yeah, you talked about that, that you weighed like 180, and then you said you, you know, 225. You got to get on Memphis, man. They only got you listed at like 208, bro. You got to talk to them now. <laughs> hey, hopefully they, hopefully they update that this year. We got to get you, I, you know, put some weight on. So you, you definitely hey, you had to come up. That ain't the worst thing that Memphis has done. Look, remember they had Reed Harding, who's who's 5'11", listed at 5'8", is a baseball player. If that hurts. Golly, that's bad, man. <laughs> Look, Nick, Nickel State ain't going to be scared of 208 now. <laughs> Two twenty five. I'll let them think I'm too late. That way, they, that way, till they, they feel like, that heat. Yeah, yeah till they feel go. the pressure. So you know, obviously, you know, you talk about it was a difference in the conditioning and what you're playing against. Um, so you get there your freshman year. Uh, obviously, you end up redshirting. Was that always the plan? I know you saw action in a few games, but did you know you were going to get redshirted going in? Um, I actually figured I was going to get redshirted. I had tore my ACL my last game of high school. I got injured my first game, my last game of high school. So I tore my ACL. So and the rehab process was a struggle. I was struggling with, like, a lot of my motion and stuff, and I was still having a lot of discomfort and pain in my knee. So redshirting was, like, the best thing that could help me to give me another year so I could be fully healthy. I got you. I got you. So then, you know, you, you obviously you get healthy. You come back for your, you know, the, your freshman season now. Uh, so then, you know, let's talk about it. You talked about earlier how hot it was, man. One game that had to be your freshman year was 11 a.m. game, but it was UCLA, and I was there. Bro. It was so hot. There was a rumor that the stadium ran out of water. It was a whole thing. <laughs> that game was crazy. It was blazing. I don't was, know if that game was more hot or one one year when we played against Ole Miss a couple years ago. That game was blazing. Like both of those games are like ridiculously hot. 
Yeah, so not this is not about me at all, but I've worked at the Liberty Bowl for 21 years now, so it was hot. I didn't even want to watch y'all play. I just went in my office and watched it on the TV. I couldn't even go out the stands. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so – but obviously just kind of touching on that UCLA game, you know, you start seeing a little bit more action. That game obviously was an offensive, uh, you know, outpouring from both teams. You had, you know, Rosen and then you had Ferguson just kind of going ham on each other. But the defense did have some, you know, some big stops when it mattered, turnover on down, stuff like that. But just talk about what that game was like, you know, from a national TV standpoint, kind of put the Tigers on the map because you guys weren't expected. Maybe I know you guys expected, but a lot of people didn't expect you guys to win and to pull out a big win like that. What that, what was that like? Uh, it was honestly, it was honestly huge. It was my first, first big game that I ever like actually was able to like be at and like be a part of. So it was huge. And my best friend played, high school ball with uh Tim Hart got the pick six and it was huge like we went out that day and we went to I'll never forget we went to Gus's and people in Gus's was like oh my gosh you're the guy who got the pick six off Josh Rosen and he's he's smiling and I'm like yeah this is crazy this is ridiculous well let, you know, let, let me tell you now you you say like that's a big deal but to, as a fan that game was a defining turning point in the program yeah, it was and great. It, it 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 wasn't it wasn't like you're pumped up to play Tennessee, you're pumped up to play Ole Miss, you're pumped up to play Mississippi State because they're regional. This was like a national like put you on the map, put folks on notice because I think this is what you know paved the way for. I mean, what inevitably ended up a a Cotton Bowl berth. You know, two years later, right. And Anthony Miller had a hell of a game that game too. So it was just it was just a huge game all the way around. Big win, like DB said. And it wasn't always the case. You know, you've kind of been part of that rise of Memphis football and putting them on the map and seeing like even that was an 11 a.m. game, but it's nationally televised. You have 50,000 in the stands as hot as it was. I mean, just a just a big moment, like a kickoff moment for the team. Yeah, it was huge. Yeah, so um, obviously you start seeing a little bit more action. You, you know, going into your sophomore year, obviously you start seeing even more you know, action you got, you know, now, but I do got a question. So I, it said you didn't play in your final four games. Talk about what happened there. Was that an injury? It was not an injury. Honestly, um, my, my, my career at Memphis had kind of taken a downfall. Um, some it's, it's a crazy story, honestly, but I'll tell it here because it, if anyone's listening, it, it probably helps some people because I tell people, now, people time, listening, like, people listening, yeah. pick. Yeah, so so honestly, I, I began my that year, my sophomore year. Um, Austin Hall was in front of me. He was a starter at, at the position we play outside linebacker. We called it star, and he was a starter, and I was his backup. And um, the year started out well. They moved me to that position. I did well, but I kind of lost focus, and I and I played early on. And I'll never forget Austin Hall got thrown out of the game uh, when we played UConn for targeting. Great tackle on the dude. They throw him out for targeting. And they like, Thomas, you're in. And I'm like, whoa. Like, I never thought I'd be playing, like, a whole game. And this is early. It's like first quarter. It's early in the game. So, I'm in for three more quarters. And I kind of, like our, – our, our defense coordinator now always says, like, when you get in the game, you got to play good. You can't just be on in the game saying, hey, mom, I'm in the game. Like, you got to play good. And I kind of felt like I was in the game saying, hey, mom, I'm in the game. I missed the sack, missed tackles, missed the fumble recovery. Like, I just didn't have a good game. And, and, and after that, my, my, my career that, that, that year kind of went down. Like, I'll never forget at the end of that year, those last four games, I'm like, why am I not playing on special teams? I'm not getting any reps in the game. Like, we're blowing people out. I'm not getting in. And uh, 
I was actually thinking about leaving and um, I go talk to my coach and uh, go talk to my position coach, who's Coach Lord, the position coach at special teams coach at Penn State now. He's our, he was my position coach, also our special teams coordinator. And I go up to his office and I talk to him. I'm like, what's going on? Like, why am I not playing? What happened? Like, I was doing well. And he was just like, honestly, Thomas, I, I just feel like you don't care. And he, he told me that he just felt like when I showed up, I would go through the motions. And he felt like I had the ability, but I just didn't care about the game. And he honestly told me um, he thought that I would never play at Memphis. He looked me dead in my eye and told me I would never play at Memphis. And um, ever since I had that conversation with him, like, my career has been going up. Like, I I tell all the young guys there now, they always want to leave and transfer. And I'm like, before you leave and transfer, like, go talk to the coach and ask him, what can you do better? Like, why aren't you playing? Like, go talk to him because they'll, they'll tell you, like, that's the job. They're not going to lose their job playing someone they don't trust, you know. And uh, uh, we had that conversation the next spring was like amazing for me. He he turned around, he told me like, you had a great spring, you're the most improved player this whole spring, like you've done a great job. And ever since then, my career has been taken off for me. But that's why I didn't play in those last couple games. And it hurt my heart. I literally cried in his office when he told me I would never play at Memphis. I feel like I never played. I literally cried, it hurt my heart. Like I've been the best athlete and it just really broke my heart to hear that. Yeah, I know a lot of times you, you learn more from the struggle than you do the successes, right? So you'd always kind of right. had that success. But to hear that has got to be humbling, but it's also an eye-opening moment, I'm sure, obviously, for you. Because after, yeah. you know, talking about that that redshirt junior year, you play in all uh, 14 games and, you know, you're doing your thing, 42 tackles and all that. And also the team has obviously had great success. You know, the um, the Cotton Bowl DB was there, you know, against Penn State. And, you know, we'll get into that. But just talk about that junior year, what that was like for you coming off of a struggle to end the season. How much validation was it for you to play like you did? Uh, it was big. It was huge. Uh, I was able to start. I remember starting my first game. It was big. It was huge. Man, um, that year was great. Uh, that was probably the best year I probably ever had playing college football. It was amazing to be able to go to the Cotton Bowl. Um, we had fun. That team was like, when you look back, we had so many people that were, like, legit players, like Antonio Gibson. We had – who else? We had DeMonte Coxie. We had Bray White. We had so many, like, people that were just, like, big-time players that were just just on the team. And you'd be like, oh, my gosh, that guy's in the NFL. That guy's in the NFL. That guy's in the NFL. And it was just big. Like, that year was crazy. Like, and to, to culminate the year and be able to go to the Cotton Bowl was crazy to play against uh, Penn State. It was ridiculous, and it was, it, it was ironic because that year was the first year I started, and at the end of that year, we played Penn State, and the coach who told me I would never play was a special teams coach at Penn State. <laughs> that, and, yeah. and, and, I, and I'll never forget, we were at a team function, and I was able to walk up to him and, and give him a hug and, and tell him thank you, and he was like, man, he was like, he joked and said, you, you finally got a coach that taught you something, and I was like, <laughs> it, it's not the coach, it's just kind of, it's just kind of some want to. Yeah. So, oh, uh, yeah, I want to highlight a, a couple of things uh, from, the, you know, that year, uh, obviously the college game day experience and what that was like for you guys, because obviously for the city, it was so huge to have the hot, the spotlight of college game day be here because, you know, you're from here. You, that's another advantage you have being a Memphian and what that meant to see Bill Street lined up. And I mean, and then the game itself was just unbelievable. So just talk about what that experience was like for you guys as a team. 
it was it was crazy. I, I appreciate Coach Navarro. Actually, when college game day came that Friday, he let the whole team go downtown. He took us downtown to the college game day set, and we were down there hanging out, uh, listening to him talk. Brady White was on the stand. He talked, and it was really cool. He he kind of he embraced it. He let us embrace the moment and let us kind of live in the moment that 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 whole week really. And he didn't want us to like. He didn't want to downplay the moment and be like, hey, it's just another game. Like, he was like, hey, it's college game day. Like, you guys did this. You guys brought this to the city. And it was crazy to see all those people in the stands and just – I still watch that game on YouTube to this day and just look around and be like, look at all those people. Yeah, like, we talked about that UCLA crowd, but that had nothing on that 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 nothing, crowd. That crowd was crazy. Nothing. Ridiculous. Like It was, it was surreal because we're, you know, we're all from Memphis. And when you turn on ESPN and then they start college game day up and it's there, it's like, it doesn't even feel real. It's like, whoa. Yeah, how loud it was. And, and obviously, you know, being there, just how crazy it was. I do want to ask you a question about your, your redshirt junior year. The game, you guys obviously go 12-2, and two, great season and everything. But you, I feel like you should have been, you know, maybe undefeated, but definitely shouldn't have lost to Temple because my man caught the yeah, ball. Man. Yeah, my man caught, caught the ball. Joey caught that. Shout out, Joey. Shout out, Joey. He caught the ball, man. I still – we're going – Temple, you know, we gave you one, but no more. But, yeah, just yeah, to culminate he, it playing against Penn State, you know, we asked Brady White about this, and obviously, you know, there seemed to be a lot of mutual respect on both sides. Um, but for you guys, playing against a team like Penn State, which is a perennial – you know, it's a blue blood, for lack of a better term. Uh, you guys are the, obviously the up-and-comer, but it seemed like you guys weren't scared of the moment. You went out there and – you know, played your game. It didn't go the way you wanted it to, but just kind of talk about what that whole experience was like and what it was like playing against a lot of those guys. It was crazy that whole week. Uh, we got there to, to Texas. We stayed in the Gaylord, which is a huge hotel. The hotel is really nice, like nicest hotel I've ever seen. And uh, it's during Christmas time, so it's really cool. It's a lot of people there, and we practice in, in the stadium every day. We practice in the stadium every day. And um, – it was really, really eye-opening, crazy that we was like, we really here, like, and all my teammates, we all had this mindset that uh, Penn State's no better than us because we had we had players just like they had players, so we just had the mentality that we're gonna go out here and play our game and do what we've been doing the whole year. We had a great year that year, one college game day, and we're just like, we're gonna go out here and put it all on the line, and I feel like that's what we did. We just came up short, like a few more plays we could have made, and we would have would have been on top. Yeah, we've talked about this definitely before, but the difference from you guys going from Norvell, obviously, you know, the move gets made and, you know, Silverfield is the interim at the time. Um, did you guys always know that he was going to be the guy that they were picked? It seemed like the consensus was that that's who the team wanted, but just to ask one of you guys, was it? Um, We, we didn't know, but our um, – what is his name? I can't think of his name. Uh, Larry Vici came and talked to us. And he asked us, like, who we wanted. And and a lot of the guys on the team, because it was such a close bond that year, because we, we just wanted someone that we had a connection with already. We didn't want anyone coming in and changing the culture of the team. We wanted it to stay the same. So Coach Silverfield was that guy, and that's, that's who we went with. Yeah, so talk to me about what was the biggest difference between a Norvell team and a Ryan Silverfield coach team? Obviously not, you know, no, nothing, no locker room secrets, but just the major differences between their two personalities and how they run the program. I would just say it like this, like, Coach Norvell is much more like, it's kind of like his way or the highway. Like, he's very, a very, like, big personality, and he just loves, like, he controls a lot. 
Coach Sims feels not like that. Like he kind of lets the, the the team like make decisions on like what's going on or what we want. And he's just more of a, a player's coach than Coach Novell is. Coach Novell is a great coach. They're both great coaches, just two different personalities you, in the way they run things. Do you, you think that's probably, I mean, Silverfield had time in the NFL. Do you think that's probably a little bit to do with it? Just having that experience? Yeah, that's, that's definitely probably what it is. He's experienced the NFL and he understands that guys have personalities and that's just how it works. And you have to give guys the room to do what they want to do because we're all grown men at the end of the day. No, absolutely. Um, so going into, you know, the senior year, obviously, you know, we know 2020 was was kind of a, you know, off year for everybody, right? You got the the pandemic and, you know, they don't even know if you're going to play football, right? So because we had a lot of things canceled first part of the year, but ended up, you know, we do play, you have some cancellation games, but just kind of talk about what it was like prepping for that season at some points, not even knowing if there was going to be one. Uh, that whole time was like, it was really a blur because days would go by and you just stayed in the house. But um, it was crazy. We were working out in quarantine, like working out at home, at home workouts. I spent most of my time at Shelby Farms with my girlfriend and we would just go work out, go run, go explore. I would do drills because I couldn't, I couldn't get to a field. Like I, we couldn't go to Memphis. I couldn't go to MUS. I literally would just find any field that I could just to do drills. And that's what most of my teammates were doing at the time. We would just find fields and in yards and just doing drills and sending it to our coaches saying, hey, we we working. Like, that year was crazy. I caught – I had COVID the first game, practiced a couple of days and didn't even know I had. It felt fine and wasn't able to play the first game. But luckily I got the first game, so I wasn't able to miss any other games. But – it, it was just crazy seeing, like, how COVID can spread so quickly within the team. Like, it was guys who were missing every game that that we needed. It was just crazy. Like, the numbers got so thin at one point. So, you saying you, saying you started the outbreak? Is that what you're telling us, Pick? <laughs> I, I was definitely the first. I was I, I was the first person on the team to get it. Oh, what an overachiever. <laughs> <laughs> it was a party was bus? No, nah, we won't talk about the party bus. <laughs> Uh, the party bus is after the game. I was already in quarantine. <laughs> I say it wasn't you. Well, I hear you. It's got to be crazy knowing that every game you're going to be without a key player on top of the fact that you had guys that opted out of playing, like key guys. Um, so, like, what what does that do to the game plan each and every game? Is it just like, well, you know, we're going to our – third string, whatever here, let's, let's roll with it. It is crazy. Like game planning, like each, each person like has their strength, obviously, but some of those guys that opted out is like, wow, bro, you really going? Cause we're like close guys. Like we all close to each other. And it was just crazy to see some of our guys, like, like, I wouldn't say they were saying they were bigger than the team, but they they obviously had different reasons to why they opted out. But it was just crazy to see that how we had to change each game plan around or go into the game just thinking, like, we're missing this guy. We really could use him today. And it was just crazy seeing that week in and week out. Well, yeah, so if you – you know, I think from an outsider's perspective, being, you know, semi-close to the team or whatever, following it real closely, I think – what I saw a lot of times with Memphis fans is that it maybe is a little bit spoiled, right? Because you would have games like the Cincinnati game that didn't go, you know, you guys way, but 
still overall eight and three season, you know, with guys like Coxie and Gainwell and all that, that I did opt out. Those are huge losses. That's NFL talent. Obviously that's going to make a difference, but all in all, and, and maybe I'm just speaking for myself. I don't think it was an unsuccessful season given what all you guys went through. You know, you could tell me, obviously you'd, you don't want to get beat by Cincinnati like that. Right. But I mean, as a season right. as a whole, did you guys look at it like a successful season given all you went through? Yeah, we consider it a successful season, but we felt like, like that game, like Cincinnati, we felt like we could have, we could have played harder. We felt like, we we felt like we didn't really come out with the juice like we usually do. Like we kind of was too lax going into the game, and the offense struggled, and the defense get the three and out first drive, and we're like, oh yeah, we got it. But then after that, it's like downhill. But it was overall, I would consider it a successful season. A lot of guys that probably wouldn't have got as many reps got a ton of reps which yeah. would definitely help us for definitely help us for this season yeah still beat ucf so that's got to be good right i mean yeah, yeah that was big time big time every time yeah. i well, can't wait to go to ucf i got i got i got plans now on december 4th for a rematch against cincinnati so just just go ahead and plan on that but <laughs> but i got a question for him you know you know Cincinnati is a rival of y'all's that beat you. But when they go into a bowl game against, like, Georgia, because you want the American Athletic Conference to shine, do you root for them to win or because they beat Hell you? Hell no. Nah. Hold on. I'm asking him the question, not you. Do you root for them to win because it makes the conference look good or because they beat you, you're like, screw them? I can't say I cheer for Cincinnati. But I do hope they play a good game. Like, don't go out there and get embarrassed. Nah, Which they did play a really, they did play a really really good game. They did. We ain't rooting for Cincinnati, bro. We ain't doing that. But before I move into you know what the spring's been like, I just want to ask you if you could just pick one game up to now that was like your favorite game for your. It can be for you or the team. What what game would you pick out? I would definitely say the second time we played Cincinnati, we won championship. Yeah, that was big because we we hadn't finished like we hadn't won a championship. We get so close, we just couldn't finish. And to beat the same team back to back, when people are always saying like it's really hard to 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 beat the same team twice and and things like that, hearing that the whole week, and we go out there and do it. And Claybrooks run the touchdown. I'm like, oh yeah, it's game over. Like we got this. It's a wrap. Now, that's such a big moment, and obviously, you know, you've been a part of a lot of big moments in in Memphis history, and there's guys. You know, they're, you know, notable guys that haven't had as many big, been a part of as many big games and big moments as you have. So shout out to you for making all that happen and having that, you know, defining moment, life defining moment where the coach tells you, you know, you probably ain't going to play no more. And then you got to pick it up and you've had your most success. So shout out to you. But moving into this next coming up season, your redshirt senior season, how has the spring gone for you guys and, and you specifically? Uh, the spring's gone well. We, we got a, uh, another linebackers coach, which is, Something just happens at Memphis. We get a new linebacker coach almost every year. But we got another linebacker coach, and uh, I, I, I like him a lot. Um, he's teaching us new things with the with how to read the old linemen and how to play fast and quick. And a lot of our linebackers, we're not very big, but we are very fast. We're, like, really quick. So he's playing on our strengths, and the spring went well for all of us. The offense is figuring it out. We're still trying to pick the quarterback and having that battle going on. But I feel like the spring was successful for all of us. That's, that's that's my big question, man. Yeah. Is, as a defensive guy, is it – and I'm not going to ask the question because the easy question would be, well, who's who's leading this race to be quarterback? Like, 
I have like to be honest, I care, but I don't care as long as we pick the the guy that's gonna give us the best shot to win. Yeah, they're definitely gonna pick the, the right guy to win. I, I honestly feel like it's up for grabs. Like that, no guy has been selected for a reason. So it, it's up for those guys to work for it. Are you are you in the running? You've played every position out there. What's up? Nah, Not putting on I that can, weight. He ain't no quarterback uh, now. I don't <laughs> think I can throw it too far. I, I can run though. I can move. Shit. Hey, you, you heard of the Wildcat? Put that man direct snap that ball. We all we off to the races, dude. As a defensive guy, is is there any thought? Is there any time for thought on who the quarterback is going to be, or is it just strictly we're hammering this defense? Like we're not going to study what offense is doing because we got our own shit to do. Honestly, for us, it's just like whichever quarterback comes out there, we just don't try to kill him. Like, like we can't hit him, <laughs> but we're going to hurt. But we're going to hurt him in ways and take away all his passing routes and everything to make them look bad. Like, we're trying to embarrass each quarterback that's out there. And that's the whole goal every day. Let me ask you something, T-Pig. You know, you've been on put on this weight, man. What's that done for your 40 time? I'm still sliding. I'm still sliding. (laughs) I heard heard Morris Joseph Jr. was faster than you. Oh! No. no. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not buying it. I'll beat Mo with a bad knee. (laughs) <laughs> hey, look, I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell you though, Vic, when we when I asked him who would be the best Memphis player to get on this podcast to talk to, your your name was the first one to come up. So that's gotta that's gotta say a lot about you, not only y'all's relationship, but who you are. That's my guy. That's my guy. He's a good dude. I, when he got here, it was like it was like love. Like he when he showed up in the summer. During camp, we were down in Lambeth. I'll never forget. He came up, introduced himself, and ever since then, we've been like guys. Like his locker is like right there beside mine, and we we talk crap to each other all day, every day. But it's still love at the end of the day, no matter what. And we gonna always. I think we're so close because we always keep it honest with each other. Like what we should do. Like, hey, bro, you got to do this. You can't do that. And I think that's why we're so close. Y'all ain't keeping it too honest because he told us he was faster than you. Nah, he, he, he liked he to talk crap. That's all he liked to do. <laughs> so, T-Pig, for you, what is the one thing that you're better at or you will be better at this year than you were last year? I feel like I will definitely be more effective in the passing game, like underneath routes and things like that. I need to get my hands on more balls. Honestly, um, I can tackle in space and do all those things, but I feel like I, I take the bait on a on a on an under route when it's one coming behind me when I could probably get my hands on the ball and things like that. So that's the goal this year. Get my hands on more balls. Oh yeah, we need some T pick six sums, you know? That's what that's what everyone keeps saying. <laughs> they like you gotta live up to your name this year. We need we need to pick six. Absolutely. So, you know, kind of talk about what's what's the message for the team, you know, coming out of the COVID year and and eight and three, right? That's not a bad year. We talked about that, but what's Coach Silverfield saying as our expectations coming into this year? We're talking championship again for the conference and, and beyond. That's the goal. That's the goal every year, honestly. Um, he's just focusing on us being like making sure that every guy on the team is just doing what they need to do and learning. Um, we're gonna have a lot of a lot of young guys that are gonna have opportunities to help the team, and that's the goal to push those young guys along to help the team, like. That's the goal. Like, just just everyone do their job. Like, I was telling guys the other day during workouts, like, um, 
it's a it's a big gap in the team. Like we got a lot of old guys that's played a long time, but then we got a lot of young guys that haven't played that much. So we, I'm telling the young guys like you you're gonna have to help us. Like we those starters on offense and defense can't play on every special team. We can't do everything. So you guys are gonna help have to help us in some way, whether it's scout team, whether it's kickoff cover, punt block return, punt. Like you gotta be willing to help. And he's just pushing that, like pushing those young guys along. Yeah. So obviously, you know, we we we're getting real close to September fourth, but just kind of talk about what is what is today through September fourth. What's that going to look like for you? Obviously grinding, but you know, what's that going to look like for you? And what are you trying to accomplish in that time? Um, honestly, trying to stay healthy, stay stay as healthy as possible. Um, maintain my weight and uh, honestly, just keep my strength going. Um, during the season, you kind of lose like if, you don't lose conditioning, but your body changes because you're not like working out as intense as you were. So the goal is to just maintain the body, like keep it up and running as if you were in workouts where like you weren't hitting anyone. So rehab, prehab and all that stuff, just maintain the body. That's the goal from here until September. So I got one more question. I'm going to turn you over to Jim. Last year, obviously you got like what, 42 tackles, you know, what is, do you have a goal in mind for tackles, picks, anything like that? Or are you just going to try to be the best you can at all? I know that. But put some numbers on us, T-Pig. I know you got to have something in your mind. I actually don't. I'm actually not a numbers guy. Um, the goal this year, though, I told my coach, and the goal is to – because Memphis, we had pretty good linebackers, you know, but the goal is to be first in. He, that's the he goal. Was, he, he was number 66, so we know he ain't a numbers guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I know you got to at least want to have one pick six, though. You ain't a numbers guy, but one, I, it wouldn't hurt. That, that that is the goal of pick six. I gotta prove everybody right. Everyone keeps saying, bro, you gotta get a pick six. So that's the goal. pick. I'll be on that field. I'm gonna tell you right now. If you get a pick six, I'm gonna be in the end zone waiting on you, dog. I ain't hey, gonna run down both, there. So I'm just gonna stand both, on the other end. We can both dance like uh facing each other from end zone to end zone. Already, I'm I'm down. <laughs> is the uh, is the tur- is the turnover belt still gonna be in play for this year? The turnover belt will be in play for sure. That's what's up. All right, so we're going to let you uh, get done with football. We're going to have a little heart, uh, lighthearted fun, play a game called This or That. We play it with every guest. Um, basically, it's pretty simple. We give you two options. You choose one or the other. The only rules is you can't say neither and you can't say both. You down to play? Let's go. All right, man. I got I got a question that I put in here right off the bat. You know, we were talking about Gibson, and we were talking about a lot of the guys who went pro. Who has a bigger year in the NFL this year, Henderson or Gibson? Uh, I'm going to go with Hendo. I feel like Hendo going to break out this year. Well, the spot just this opened year, up for him. Yeah, Akers just got yeah. hurt. So, he, hey, yeah. he's, on a, he's on a squad, too, with the, with the Rams. So, but we ain't going to take nothing away from Gibson. I'll draft them both from fantasy. We good. Yeah, AG, AG's, AG's ridiculous. He's, he's different. All right, so this is a fun question. I'm, I'm intrigued to hear what you say. Would you rather do five years in prison or spend 10 years in a coma? I'd probably do 10 years in a coma. I'd just wake up and everything be still be normal. Like, if I go to prison, then, you know, I got – I can't get certain jobs. I can't do certain things. If I wake up in a coma, I have no restrictions on anything. So, so this, is, this is intriguing. <laughs> The, we've been having all these baseball players come on here 
small frame guys, you know, obviously, you know, they might be throwing 97 mile an hour fastball, so they might throw 97 mile fist, but but they ain't big like you. And they've been picking tough guys. Yeah, they've been picking prison. And then the big football player who I would be more scared of took the coma. That's interesting. Definitely take the coma. Hey, that's that's the MUS education right there. That man said I'm not doing prison. Pick, (laughs) pick, tell them, tell them we're gonna take that nap all day. Give me that ten year nap. You wouldn't even know. No, you wouldn't even know. That's a rough five years, man. I'm telling you, five years is a long time. All right, so would you rather never go into a red light again? So all green lights when you're driving, or would you never? Would you rather never wait in line for anything again? Never wait in line. Green lights. I'd rate it. I waited red lights. Play a good song. You get the good vibes going. But <laughs> the lines. Who wants to wait in line? He's the one that rolls up next to you, and then you can't even hear your music because it's so what, loud. What song you you listening to? What, what what songs bumping at a red light? Uh, I don't know. Me and my girl always bumping the raw wave. So good raw wave vibes. All right, this is an interesting one. When, when you talk to a native Memphian, man, this, this one gets dicey, all right? What do you prefer, barbecue or wings? Wings all day. Wings. What, all what, day. Is, what is your number one spot? Um, it depends. Hey, before you answer now, you got the NIL. Now, Wingu, we might be listening. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if I'm getting – if I am getting tenders, if I want tenders, I will go to Ching's and get tenders because – the tenders are amazing. Fries really good. But if I'm going to get wings, I'm definitely going to go to Crumpets. All right. So here's a good question, and I love this question. Da- Daniel came up with this question before you even talked about your family. And so since you didn't give mom the credit, who wins a game of horse? You or My mom? dad. No, my dad. that it is. You or mom? <laughs> Who's winning? You or mom? Probably my mom. Like she, she shocked me last time we played, and she beat me. So I'm gonna give it to her again. But obviously, based upon what you're saying, Dad's gonna take mom out, though, huh? Dad, a shooter. That's all he do. Shoot. Fifty nine years old, and he's still shooting. I heard that. Now, I'm 37, and I can't do nothing anymore. So, <laughs> all right. So this last question, man. Depending on how you answer, depends on the reaction you're gonna get from Randy and Daniel. All right, so I'm gonna ask it. When we'll see how you answer it, we ask every single guest it. It's our staple question, man. What would you choose, money or friends? Money or friends? I'm probably gonna have to go with the friends. Friends for sure, every time. All right, Randy. T pick, man. I'm, I'm gonna tell you, man. It's been a great interview. We got to let you go now. No, I'm just kidding. I'm I'm picking the bag. I'm gonna tell you the bag every time. I'm getting new friends. I'm getting the bag. I'm gonna go with the friends. I can't replace the friends with the money because I'm no, gonna sure have. I still gotta have the same friends. No, you ain't got to. That's the thing. You can get all new friends. I'm gonna tell you, these guys are my best friends. If somebody offers me a bag, I'm gonna be like, all right, guys. Hey, in a real Randy, years. you just gotta reformulate the question. Pick if you could be the number one pick in the NFL draft, but you have to cut loose all your friends. Are you doing it? Now we didn't say your girl. We said your friends. Ooh. We'll let you keep your girl. I I'll take the number two spot. <laughs> oh, that was all the right. best answer we've had that man said okay i'm not gonna do number one i keep my friends i'll take number two i heard that i'll take the two spot for sure man right. that's, that's, hey that's, i don't even know what to say 
He hey during that this or that statement, he surprised me three times. I'm telling you. He 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 is truly a friend guy because he's taken a substantial pay cut to go number two. Man, it hey, shout out to you. He don't want to be greedy. No, I I hear you. And there's something to be said about that. Hey, look, before we we let you bounce, man, I I, Thomas, man, I gotta thank you. You you were great tonight. We appreciate you being on with us, but you know, from from the bottom of my heart, anytime I have a, a a Memphis athlete on, I have to have to get sentimental, all right? Because being a kid that grew up in Memphis and just living and breathing and bleeding Tiger Blue, like it's it's amazing to me, and and I'm very very grateful for you to go out and do what you do because my life has brought been given so much joy as sad as you know that I, I don't know if that's sad or but that's the reality like the joy that watching any any tiger athlete have on the football field on the basketball court like it's meaningful to me and it means a lot and it, it it's so much further than just fandom my kid does the tiger spell out she knows when you guys are on and and just a couple of days ago she's asking well are the Tigers on today? And I have to say, no, sweetheart. We got about 42 more days. And so <laughs> to, tomorrow she'll ask, and I'll say, no, sweetheart. We got 41 days. But, man, when, when that day comes, you know, watching her light up and, and be jacked up, like, that that means everything. And I can only only thank you for, for being a part of that and, and, and making, making that possible, dude. So keep doing what you're doing, man. If we can do anything for you, over over your journey, man. Please reach out to us. I appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me on. Yeah, you got you got to take Daniel's love because you see my background. I root for the other Tigers from LSU, and and your boy Randy. I'm gonna throw him under the bus. He might he might basically run the Liberty Bowl, but that man's a Tennessee Volunteers fan. I'm just gonna let you know. Whoa, whoa that's terrible. That's terrible. <laughs> T-Pick, I, I I hate it too. It's just what I was born into. But look look behind me, dog. It's this Memphis. I, yeah, Sun Studio, baby. You can, I, you, can, I, you, you can always come. You can always come for to the better team. Like we are. T Pig, so. I root. I root for the Tigers. Don't let these boys fool you. I do root for Tennessee. Ain't a lie. But I, I'm always rooting for the Tigers in football. There, that is very true. There's never been a time where he is bad mouth us or or anything. He's, he's very supportive. Um, but yet we we haven't played Tennessee in a real hot minute. Yeah, I was gonna so. I was gonna say if we play Tennessee, dude, who do you cheer for? Mm. If you're there, I'm rooting for y'all, dog. <laughs> <laughs> Telling the what guests what they need to next, hear. Hey, hey, next now now when we have them Tennessee players on, if they try to run this back, I'm gonna be like, man, they superimpose that shit, and I ain't say that. Hey, you, <laughs> hey, hey, you were bumping them gums during the basketball matchup, though. Oh, I, you notice when I said I don't root, I don't root against Memphis. I did not say I said football. <laughs> All right, Thomas, we're gonna let you go, man. Y'all, y'all check them out on Instagram at tpick six on September fourth, opening up against Nickel State, man. We wish you all the best, brother. I appreciate you guys. You guys have a nice night. All right, we're gonna take a break. We're gonna plug some sponsors. When we come back, we got some headlines. Are you looking for that five star grooming? Oasis Grooming Barber and Beauty Spa is the place to go in North Mississippi. Chris and his staff will get you that fade, trim, or even that hair art you've been looking for. Located at 2662 Highway 51 South in Hernando, or be on the lookout for the new location going up in Silo Square. 
So join the OG lifestyle today and tell them the In Off The Bench sent you. So Daniel, Randy, we always talk about you know trying to better our lives. Daniel, especially you on the the physical side, talk about the things we need to do to live a longer, healthier life. And, you know, with life changers, they teach and balance blood chemistry. They balance pH. They help you be disease free. They train you how to make money. And so if you're interested in something like this, 2610 Panola Street in Hernando, Mississippi, reach out to them. Let them help you change your life and you can help change other people's lives. All right, welcome back to the In Off the Bench podcast. We got some headlines for you leading off. We got some breaking news. Um, it seems as though Aaron Rodgers is going to be back playing. And I, I can't say that I'm happy about that. I could really give two shits about Aaron Rodgers, to be honest. But, Jim, you, you mentioned it while we were on break. So I'll ask you, how does this happen, like, in – is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? And does this set a precedent for other players to follow the suit of what's going on with him? Well, I mean, I think players have been doing that, obviously. Um, but the game, first of all, needs him, right? And I don't think he's done with the game, especially because he hasn't been able to get that elusive second title. So I think, you know, you were the one who told me all along he was going to play. Uh, and I don't think for a second you ever bought in that he wasn't going to. I don't think Randy probably ever for a second bought in that he wasn't going to play. So this was inevitable. So it was all about, you know, getting what he wants. And I think he wanted to put on a little show. I mean, we do know Aaron can be, you know, a little dramatic. And so I, I think it, it was, you know, Aaron just doing what Aaron does. But he, he wants to win. He's got a team around him that can win. Um what I would ask is, you know, and Randy, I know you saw this. What was with the the shenanigans him and Devontae Adams did pull on social media to try to fool people? You know, I think that was just more posturing, right, for both of them. Obviously, you don't – you know, Devontae Adams, he wants his quarterback, right? He don't want to get stuck with Jordan Love no matter how bright his future is. It's not the multi-time MVP Super Bowl champion Aaron Rodgers. So those guys have probably been working out together, and, hey, we're going to just do a little, a little show for the crowd. And it did pressure. Look what it did. Right after they did it, all of a sudden now we got a deal in place. <laughs> it made me nervous. I was like, I ain't picking Devonta Adams in fantasy. <laughs> well, what's what's crazy as I read through this? Uh, I mean, here's some of the concessions that he's getting with this this proposed deal, like a, the 2023 year, which the contract would be up, which is his current deal. They'll avoid that. No tags allowed in the future. They're going to agree to review Rogers situation at the end of this season and prepare him a new deal. Uh, to me, uh, well, I'll hold off on what, what I think that is after I, I run through these, but then it says Rogers contract will be adjusted with no loss of income to give the Packers more cap room now. And then mechanisms will be put in place to address Rogers issues with the team. So here, here's my first like red flag that pops up. The whole reason why he was, that he was doing all this is because he felt like he wasn't being listened to and supported as far as moving the team forward to win it all. And their concession for that just says mechanisms will be put in place to address Rogers issues with the team. Okay. So what does that mean? What are they doing? They right? got more money to sign free agents, right? So, well, I mean, I look at the, the no loss of income to give Packers more cap room now, 
but then it's like okay that's now but then they're going to restructure his contract to me that says hey man please play for us this year and then you can do whatever the hell you want next year we'll, we'll try to give you the best deal that we can possibly give you but if you choose to leave then good just give us this year but uh, i mean that's how i read it and and right or wrong it's it's annoying more than anything. Like, I think we all knew it was going to come to this. Like who wants to sit out and, and lose up to 50 K. I don't know. Was it a day? I felt like is what they said. 50 K a day almost. Um, yeah. My, my question for you guys, is it as simple as another weapon for him? Like they've had the best record in the NFC, you know, back-to-back seasons. They, you know, they have, advanced in the postseason but they can't just get over the hump is it even as simple as he needs more weapons or is it is it something else well i i don't think it's it's any i don't think he needs more weapons he was a two-yard run away from being in the super bowl like whose fault is that right so that's that's what i don't understand you know he's getting it done with what he's got and, you know, while he may – they may lack in depth at wide receiver, he arguably has the best one. He has a awesome running back. Like, I mean, it's not like he's playing with nobody. And, his, and he's got a solid offensive line too. Yeah. I, I don't know, Randy. What, what is it that they could pick up what's out there that, that would put them over the hump better than what they have right now? You know, I don't really know that there's anybody in free agency or, you know, what assets they would have to give up. NFL works weird, right, in the trades. You don't always have to give up a huge asset to get another one, i.e. DeAndre Hopkins, right? You can rob somebody. Uh, but, you know, I don't know. I think that I'm surprised, and, and I'm not saying that, you know, obviously we're a little bit biased in, in Memphis, but we just saw a guy like Anthony Miller who came in with a lot of hype. Could that have been a, a nice number two or number three guy for Aaron Rodgers? Because he's made – not that he wants to throw his receivers under the bus, but I think it's long been understood that that's where he doesn't feel like he has depth behind Devontae Adams. It, you know, it's funny you said that. Hitting. I thought I thought he would be a great third guy with Lazard being the second guy. It's funny you said Miller because that was actually my thinking. Yeah, and, 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 and you know, that was kind of a – not that we're going to switch topics. We'll talk about that in a second. But with the Miller, that, that to the Texans, I don't like that, really for either side. Yeah, I, I, anybody that is pushed to the Texans, it's it's just a bad situation for them like i because i don't think there's anybody out there that's saying yeah send me to the texans or i gotta get out of here because i want to go to houston well especially if you're a wide receiver because you don't know what's going to happen right so you know i i threw in aaron Rodgers just because it was it was hot off the press right now but really the the NFL talk that I wanted to lean to, and, and I'll, I'll kind of let you lead this conversation, Randy, because you brought it up in a text thread about the NFL making mandatory vaccinations and holding teams and players essentially liable for any cancellation. So at the end of the day, we talk about this all the time. It's, it's about money in the bottom line. So if those can those games, you know, last year they they got a lot of flack because they were postponing, postponing, and it seemed like they were postponing for certain teams and moving things around and not doing that for all the teams. And, and I think there was some validity to that. So what I've done since we had that conversation in the text thread is gone and looked at it. So they're not 
mandating the players to get vaccinated, but there will be heavy fines associated with not following COVID guidelines. So, uh, you know, Bruce Arians said it best, the best way for an unvaccinated player to avoid being fined is just to follow the same procedures as last year. But basically, if they catch them, the 14600 whatever dollars is just one. But if they catch them, out, they'll be banned from any nightclubs, any appearances, anything like that. So, and past that, the player gets fined the 14. They can charge the team first offense 50 Gs. So, you know, NFL, that's not a lot of money, right? But then the, the fines are undisclosed, but go up from there. So, who knows? If they're third or fourth offense, he could be talking about half a million dollars, or do they go to draft picks or something like that? And I guess in a free market, you know, making all the tier one, which means, you know, the coaches, the front office staff, the medical staff, they are all mandated to get it outside of religious reasons but and you've already seen some people get let go so i think it's a dangerous line but it is free market you're seeing you know hospitals like st jude i understand that working with sick kids i think that at the end of the day the nfl to say they're doing it for health and safety code protocol is a little bit rich they're really doing it because they don't want to miss out on this revenue and that's kind of where i have a little bit of an issue in making it happen if Really, we're doing it so we don't miss out on TV deals. Because I guarantee you, in my opinion, what happened is a lot of pressure was put on not only from the NFL, but from their sponsors and their TV deals. Hey, if you guys miss games, we're pulling X amount of sponsorship money. What, what do you guys think? I mean, I, I said it before. It, it's the nature of when you sign a contract. You know, you, you, you sign a contract and you got to play by the rules of the, the contract. So if you're binded to do what a team that says you got to do then the league then holds the team to a contract so the league passes down a mandate the job of the league is to make sure the teams do it the job of the team is to make sure the players do it um i i i I agree with you like it's a slippery slope and a very thin line when you start finding players and saying well you get a pass because you have a religious belief. You get a pass because you have a medical issue, but everybody else, you have to do it or else this. And they're not saying that in those words, but when you give a, when you tie a consequence, which is how I'm looking at it, then that's essentially what you're saying. We're giving you a consequence because we want to elicit this behavior, which is, they want everyone to get vaccinated for let me, for the same reason that you said. It's, it's about money. Let me ask you another question before Jim chimes in on the – and I'll add, Jim, this is for you too. One of the things that I saw proposed and when I was researching for this was that they had proposed – I don't know if it was NFL, but the union disagreed with it – is wearing a different colored wristband for vaccinated players. And obviously the union was against that, or the Players Association was against that. And, and I would be too because at some point – We've never asked if those players were vaccinated for anything. And before everybody jumps on me, it's not, I'm not debating whether or not you get the vaccine. What I am, or what, at what point is the privacy and the HIPAA and all that? We've, we've never gone to these depths on the flu. They've never mandated any of this stuff. So at what point is the NFL, as we as fans, are we overstepping or is the NFL overstepping into these players and coaches and their families' lives by demanding this information? The, the whole making them wear something that they're vaccinated or not, that's just bullshit because you have guys that, that get fined for wearing things for 
for supportive causes like breast cancer and, and stuff and you're now you're going to say well you're going to have to wear this and look different from the rest of the team when your stance is everyone needs to look alike like hey your hometown team they're doing it uh yeah well uh, let me ask you I this randy as far as fan attendance are they going to be required to wear masks no okay so there's where my problem is going to lie because we talked about this when it came to omaha and the NC State situation, right? So it was okay. It was all about health and safety, right? But it was okay for 25,000 fans to sit by each other with no mask on, vaccinated or not, and yet, but you saying that these baseball players can't play a baseball game, and so the same thing would be with with football. So you're going to tell me that a stadium is going to be able to fill up, and it's, you're not going to be required to be vaccinated, you're not going to be required to wear a mask, and you're going to hold then say it's all about safety. Well, you clearly don't care about the safety of your of your fans, which tell, which just backs up your statement, Randy, it's about the money, right? Because you don't care about if the fans get COVID, but you do care about if your players do. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, and, and then on top of that, the players that are not vaccinated are going to be demanded to wear uh, face mask and socially distance from the team. So it's kind of like you're alienating those people for making their choice for, you know, for whatever that reason was, you know, we don't get to make that choice for them. That's what it is. But, you know, I understand what everybody's going to say. This is a job and you, you don't have to play in the NFL and it's a privilege and all that. I hear you, but these guys have worked their entire lives to get to this point And then to have something as controversial as this just seems like we're on a slippery slope. Let me ask you this because Hopkins is one of the players, right? And it's a big time player. And Dan and Daniel, I'll fire it towards you. If Tom Brady said he wasn't going to do it, they can still hold that rule in place. I mean, uh, you, exactly. You, you <laughs> would, you would hope that they would, but the reality is, is no. Like Hopkins, as good as he is, he's not on the same level as Tom Brady. Is is just he's not. Um, when it in regards to to the the perception and what he brings and the money and the market value. He is a great player and, and probably, you know, this is coming from a guy that lives in Tampa area. So my, my lens is probably a little bit skewed because I'm not out West, but if Tom Brady's not getting vaccinated, like they're really going to have a, 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 they're really going to rethink what they're asking players to do. But Randy, could this fly in any other league? Would this fly in the NBA? Yeah, I think so. I think that, yeah, I think it, it would fly in the NBA because, I mean, I think they're long known for their, and I don't mean this disrespect, their wokeness, you know. They, they have that forward thinking and all that. But I think to your point on the NFL, they have the power to actually do it and, and stick to it, yeah. My question is when these games start getting forfeited and you aren't, like if a Monday night football game, for instance, the day of, so you can't move anybody into it, can't flex them. The day of a Monday night football game, you know, Dak Prescott and Zeke and, and three offensive linemen, you know, all of a sudden they all test positive and they don't play the game that Monday night. What is ESPN, how are they recouping that money? How's the team, how's the NFL recouping that How am money? I going to win fantasy football if Dak Prescott's my quarterback? Exactly. Well, <laughs> the first thing is don't draft Dak Prescott as your quarterback. <laughs> But hey, why? Why? I mean, we, we're gonna we're oh, gonna go sorry. that route. We're sorry. gonna go that uh, route. Uh, hey, y'all get y'all get ready. They gonna they gonna be playing the Steelers here soon. Dak said he wants on the field too. DB, let me ask you a question. And then I'll, Jim, the same thing. So right now the NFL is at seventy eight percent of players vaccinated, with the goal being 
85%. Do you guys think they'll reach 85 by game one of the regular season? Yes. Yeah. yeah I, I, I don't, I, I think w- without a doubt they'll reach 85. And I think that's a strategic play on their move. They said 85 because they probably have a pretty good idea of who will and the numbers that will, will move to make it happen. One more question for you on this. Let's like today, Frank Reich tested positive, the Colts head coach. He's also been vaccinated. Let's say that the same guys I just mentioned for the Cowboys all test positive for COVID, but they're vaccinated and they still forfeit the game. How do we handle that? I mean, is that how they're going to do it? Or is the, are these forfeitures just to punish and pressure people to get the vaccination? I mean, I, I said it before. I think when you, you're giving a negative action or some, you're giving something that people don't want because you're trying to elicit a behavior that you do want. And I think that they're just trying to get people vaccinated. But, but think about it. It ties back to, uh, to bring it back to Omaha again, even though NFL is so much bigger than obviously that, I mean, for those guys from NC state that tested positive were vaccinated and they, sent them packing so in regards to what you're saying randy i think they won't play the game regardless i mean i don't know yeah it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out i I think y'all are focused on the wrong story in football guys the the saints just picked up chris hogan you know to replace michael thomas i mean what a move Guys, hey, I'm with the Bengals. That's it. I'm a Bengals fan. I'm out. I mean, that doesn't shock anybody that listens to this podcast, and it especially doesn't shock Randy or myself that you're switching teams yet again. So with with that, we're going to leave football, and we're going to go into Major League Baseball. And the hot hot story is the Guardians – Ooh, I got a hot take on this. The Guardians. So, Randy, all right, hear me out. All right. Michelle asked me the other day, she's like, why the Guardians? And the Rays happen to be playing, and I'm going to call them the Indians because they're still the Indians for this season. Um, When you look at the jerseys, if you take the stitching off the right side of the jersey, all you have to do is add the new letters, and it's (laughs) – save so much money you keep all all your marketing and all your things so like subconsciously like in my head like i had this belief that they thought that this would help save money and they could keep some of their merchandise without having just it well let me tell you fire sell it all let me tell you why they're not going to save money and they're about to pay the bag because there is a women's roller derby team named the cleveland guardians and they have owned that name and the domain name They've owned the Facebook handle. They've owned the Twitter handle since 2011. So let me tell you, son, they may be the Guardians, and they may end up owning that domain, but they're not doing it before they have to pay that women's roller derby team the bag. And everything they're going to save on that that you just mentioned about the stitching and the uniforms and all that, oh, they're giving it right to that women's roller derby team. What if they were like, what if they're like, well, how about this? We'll give you the Indians name. No, but see, that's this is why Randy's not allowed to miss episodes because he always has some knowledge that I have not heard and I had no idea about that story. And so now, man, I'm blown away. But Daniel, I got to ask you in regards to this. I know your movie, man. Major League is your movie. 
And so I know the Indians got to be near and dear to your heart in some way, shape, or form. Does this hurt? Look, it's not surprising in the least because I think we all knew this was coming. Um, But growing up on the Indians and Rick Wild Thing Vaughn and, you know, those guys, like, that's a, a memorable movie. Like that's a movie that I watched over and over and over. And what's frustrating is I didn't, and maybe, maybe it's me not, not, you know, understanding, you know, the name and the terminology as deeply as I could, but like the name didn't make a difference to me about that movie. Like it didn't matter that it said Indians. It could like, say, remember the three guys that were the only fans in the stands, but they had, you know, they had the, yeah. the headdress on and they were playing the drums. Like, like you, you love it. Yeah. I mean, it, it, memorable movie, childhood movie, you know, loved it. Um, but I don't think the Indians name in that movie was why I loved that movie. Well, I know, but it still it still affects it. But let me ask Randy. I asked you this once before when the Indians thing first came up months ago when they first started, and I started reading things. And the Braves fans said, "I'll be damned if you ever come for our name." Are they next? Yep, they are. Because I think that you've you've seen that from a lot of different teams. I'll be damned if you do that. But they're absolutely going to. I mean, they're. I think that you're. We're in a climate, right, wrong, or indifferent. We can agree or disagree. That's just we're we're changing. You know, you got a team called the Washington football team. They were so scared of making a damn offending somebody, they didn't even pick a name. <laughs> and then the it, Guardians it, 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 were so they were the damn Indians couldn't even pick a name, so they just went to the roller derby it, team and took theirs. It took weeks before I could figure out. Like I'd be reading the headline and it'd say WFT, and you know, first of all, you know we know WTF and think that, but I, I read that like what what, and then I'm like, oh, Washington football team. I'm like it's so stupid. Yeah, it's. I think you're going to see a lot of that. You know, not only with them, but with the Florida State Seminoles. I think it's just, it's it's just what the world we live in. Well, as a Saints fan, how long till we change ours? Because you know they got a bad history. Well, I think that being (laughs) in New Orleans, man, you are like a voodoo town, so it's all good there. I, I look this. What you just told us about the roller derby team. Whoever like was researching the names did a shitty job. All it takes is one Google search. I'm telling you, like, they. You think that guy got fired? Whoever was the one that came up with that? (laughs) Whoever the whole marketing team needs to be fired because the for one the 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 logo sucks. The name sucks. I don't like it, it. It does, but for if you go look up now, go look up the Guardians roller derby team. It's the same damn logo. So the Indians literally just r- ripped them off. So just different colors. That that's not now. It makes it worse. Like it really does. Like out of all shout the out names, to the women's roller derby yeah, team. Though. Get it, girls. Let let's move on to standings. So here we here we are. You know we're we're. Over halfway through, we're looking at American League East, Red Sox up a game and a half. I thought um, when I was writing the rundown for this, the Rays were a half game back, and I thought, okay, they um, they could do something here, but they ended up you know, losing the next game, and the Red Sox ended up winning. Both. They were going to get your pick right. Man. I, I thought they were. I, I thought we were moving in that direction, but we say it all the time 
Jim, the Yankees, like, I just don't see it, man. I don't. And what's, what's crazy to me is that they got 51 wins. All right. Which if you look at all the other like divisions, 51 wins is not bad. It's not too bad. Like, but why is it that the Yankees get so much heat for, for underperforming? Is it because of the payroll? Is it, I don't even think it's payroll this time. I think it's expectations. Me and you both, I believe Randy as well, maybe. Um, I think we picked them as the favorite to win the American League. I mean, they had all the right pieces. So to to say they're underachieving would be an understatement. They The Red Sox weren't supposed to be this good. You knew you were going to deal with the Rays. But, I mean, to be third in this division when you were supposed to be not only the favorite in the division but the favorite in the whole American League, it – I mean, yeah, you've got to be pissed if you're in the Yankees organization or if you're a fan, whoever. Yeah, you see, you see your boy Pavs signs with the Orioles, and look at them. They just go on a three-game winning streak just like that. They, the governor, hey, Randy, Randy will tell you, the governor put in the call, bro. Yeah, yeah, he's not coming to no team that's, you know, that's losing like that. But, you know, to, on the Yankees, though, too, they're only – if you look at the wild card, they're only, what, three and a half games out, so – I think that you, you, we know that they have the talent. So is it one of those things that now we're going to be looking at them sneaking in and running it that way? Because, you know, in baseball, all you have to do is get in. And then it's really – the seeding doesn't even matter. Yeah. True. And when you got arms like Garrett Cole, like, it, you just got to get in. Especially think about it like that. That wild card, is, isn't it still a one, one game if yeah. you get in that, that first one? My, so My thing is – I kept and I kept saying this for a while, Daniel. I kept thinking that the Red Sox would eventually come back to earth, and clearly, I just need to let that go because it's not going to happen. I kept thinking, I kept thinking, and they're just not going to do it. They'll blow it in the ninth. Why? <laughs> hey, a fun fact, guys. When we were talking about the Guardians thing, something I didn't think about until y'all said something about Pavs. Old Doug Nikhazy is going to be a Guardian. Mm. Need, need to... you, he's going to be on the baseball team, right? Not the roller derby team. Yeah. Hey, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> we should bring him on and, and, and talk to him about roller derby and, 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 and see what he has to say. Right. I'd like, be... Oh, you meant the other team. <laughs> All right. So the central, we got the, the white Sox still dealing it up. I mean, nine games above the Cleveland, whatever we're <laughs> calling them these days. Um, but like they're, it looks like this is going to be a runaway. They're they're up nine games. I don't. And that division's terrible. But I think yes, I think that division's terrible. But I think the White Sox are actually really good. Yeah, no, and we talked and we talked about that, and, and of course we talked about the management and everything. But you know, to correlate it to football, we talked about for years. You know, the Patriots. You know, hey, when you get a when you get a division that you can feast on, take advantage of it. And I think the White Sox are doing that. Yeah, Randy, we we talked last week about the White Sox and is is the change like they they started making the turn last year, but is the does Larusa really make that big of a difference? Man, you know I think he does just because of what he brings, but I man I I don't I almost hate to give it. I don't want him to have this. Kind hey of success, hey hey! So. Without without looking it up, Randy, don't look it up. I just want you to tell me. Do you think right now in Vegas, Larusso's the odds-on favorite for Coach of the Year or Manager of the Year? Oh, he he has to be absolutely. I mean, yeah, yeah, but he still gets some heat. Uh, and he, it, the, his name is is skipping me. But the guy was like, 
uh, rookie of the week, rookie of the month, the guy that they just sent down to the to the minors. Oh man, what's that guy's name? You know who I'm talking about, like Jimenez or something? Yeah. He, you know, and, and La Russa comes on there, but because they're winning, it's going to get a lot less, you know, heat that they basically just killed this kid's confidence. And he said it to get the kid tweets out that he's going to freaking retire at the age of what, like 24, 25 years old. And they go ask La Russa about it. And it was just cool. He's like, you know what? I'll give him a call. I'll make sure that he's cool. You know, <laughs> and when he was doing that kind of stuff, when he was losing, it was a lot of heat, like all oh, this game's passed him by. So winning cures all the guys winning. Yeah. So I was sure he's doing the right thing. Yeah, we moved down to the west, and and do you want to talk about it because they're they're making the gap bigger? It's kind of making yeah, me sad. it's it, it hurts. It does hurt. Um, the Astros are now five and a half games up, and they're not slowing down. Let's they're hitting their stride. They're they're moving forward, and as as much as I hate it, they they'll make the playoffs, and they'll be a team that nobody wants to play. And you know that's that's aggravating. To an extent, but you know, I guess shout out to them for, you know. Do you, let me ask you, Daniel. When when the last player from that team has finally moved on, will you then be okay with it? No, like not root for them, obviously, because you you've never rooted for them. Period. But will you be okay with Houston once the last player from the cheating scandal is gone? Nah, bro. Never forget. And that you the team holds accountability, huh? Yep, for sure, for sure. Um. When you look at the National League, it's not a lot of change. The Mets three and a half up on the Phillies. The Braves still floating around that that four or five games back mark. In the Central, you got the Brewers who are who are, you know, they're gaining more ground each week. Up six and a half on the Reds. The Cardinals uh, six and four. Their last ten. They're five hundred fifty and fifty. I mean, to me and and Randy, you you can chime in here 50 and 50 500 like that's exactly what they are they're a 500 ball club well, more or less you know well they win a game lose a game every day i mean that they really are the definition of a 50 you could i mean yeah they go play the cubs and, and beat them three out of four and then follow that up by losing two out of three to the red so they really had a chance to gain you know they're only a game and a half back and even with Castellanos being injured, and they still couldn't take advantage of it. So the biggest thing for the Cardinals, you know, is is they're starting to hit a little bit better, but their their pitching is. I mean, they had a, a six zero lead in the cup. They should have swept the Cubs, and they lose the game or five zero lead and okay. lose the game six five. So Brad Carson talked about that on the radio, and I was with him. I turned that game off when it was six one, yeah. And then and then I got the ESPN alert because I'm a you know I'm registered with the Cardinals that they lost, and I was like, what? And he said same thing. Every most Cardinals fans had checked out of that game. Well, to be fair, they brought in Reyes, and he's like you know an all star this year. He's the did they, one did they give him the did they give him the jinx because they talked about all week how he was twenty four for twenty four on saves. <laughs> well, could have it could have been the field goal or free throw jinx for sure because he did not pitch well, and it's just that was a terrible loss. But let's be honest. I mean, does that wet win doesn't really mean shit when they're fifty and fifty and eight yeah. games back in their own division. I think they're eight games back of the wild card. But you, you know, well. you talked about pitches, you know, and everything. But the reality is, you know, y'all, we were talking about the Yankees, right? When the Cardinals are a team that traditionally makes the playoffs and then you go get Arenado, you can't label this anything other than a disappointment. 
oh, it's this is a huge bust, and it was a reach for something that the Cardinals typically don't do. You know, they don't that make the big splash, but then they go go back a year before that, they go get Goldschmidt, and then they got to re-sign Yachty, they re-sign Wainwright, and a lot of yeah, – yeah, this team, were they going to be a World Series favorite? No, but there were a lot of teams that – a lot of people that picked them to be a contender, and, and to be honest, they should have been. They're just they've over uh, – they underperformed grossly. And do you think Arnado's looking at this like, well, damn, yeah. I could have been fifty and fifty in Colorado and dropping bombs. <laughs> yeah, Colorado's a fun place to hit for the for the batters too. So, hey, yeah. speaking of bombs, you know, because we glossed over the East, man, we we got to always shout out, uh, you know, our guest Austin Riley. This man, he's almost up to three hundred. He's batting two eighty eight, seventeen home runs, fifty RBIs. So, I mean, keep doing your thing, Austin. Get paid, bro. Get that bag, like Randy says. Yeah. This is this is the contract year, baby. Get that money. Do you do you think he ends up with with the Braves at the end end of this? No. Yeah, I, I don't think so either. But for whatever know. reason, he's not a fan favorite there either. I don't understand it, what it is with guys that are very nice guys that for whatever reason fans like to hate on. Well, because they got so much love for guys like Freddie Freeman and. Oh, like he's a great guy, very nice. But I think Randy will also tell you it's also hard because everybody compares any third baseman that steps on that field to Chipper Jones, yeah. and it's uh, it's an unfair comparison. Well, he's also taken over for Josh Donaldson too, and that's a that's a big shoes to fill. People don't mention his name enough, but that guy is a solid, solid major league baseball player, and he played awesome defense for the Braves. Yeah. So we we travel down to the West, and and <laughs> there they are. Still two games ahead of the Dodgers. Y'all, like, y'all talk about y'all talk about me with those Bengals and Browns all you want, but Daniel, I, man, loves those Giants. Man, you want to talk about manager of the year? Boom, right there. Get it. Get it. And I can't even tell you who the manager is. <laughs> the, the last manager was like Bruce Bochy. That's that's the last guy I remember. But I don't I don't think it's him. But I mean, 62 wins, two games ahead of the Dodgers. And like five and a half ahead of the Padres, which were the two favorites going in um, to really just clean up all of the National League. And, and there they are. And there's not a ton of star power on the Giants. There's a lot of veteran leadership, but they know how to win. I mean, that that's that's the bottom line is when when you win games and you know how to win, you can gut them out like good things are going to happen to you. And uh, they're scary to me just because of it's it's like that Rays Yankees Boston you know thing they're scary because they beat up on each other all year round you you know they're good but you don't actually know how good they really are until you get to the playoffs and you have to play them yeah and well and we talked about that right whoever is you know whether it's Milwaukee or the Mets if it was to end today whoever draws like the Padres or the Dodgers like Man, thanks a lot. Yeah, I mean, tell me about it. It's it's not a fun draw for any 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 team that grabs a, a NL West team to play. Um, but they're looking good. I, I I'm holding holding. Daniel, I want you to pick right. I want you to pick right now. Let's see. I'm looking at how many games they got. So basically, sixty games left around fifty something, whatever. Anyway. Do they hold? Call it right now. Yeah, it's Randy. Gonna go, it's gonna nope. go down to the last. It's gonna go down to the last series. Randy, you got Dodgers. 
I got the Dodgers because let me tell you what's gonna happen. Trevor Bauer, baby, you don't they don't want that smoke. <laughs> Just could, kidding, ladies. Could we get low? <laughs> this is a family show, Randy. What well, here here's the reality right here is that they're gonna the Giants are gonna end their season with the Rockies and Arizona. And then go into that last series against San Diego, who it San Diego's probably gonna have playoff implications riding on it, and the Giants you, will probably have playoff like winning. Well, you're showing that look. Scroll back up a little bit more. Look, San Diego's gonna play them three of their last five series. San Diego holds their own destiny. Yeah. And guess how many games against the Dodgers that they have left? Just three. Just three. All so, it takes yeah. is for them to sweep that series well, to have I, that number one spot, like Randy said. So they have two series. I'm sorry. They got one coming up and then another one at the end. But you're scrolling the schedule. I see Milwaukee there. And, I, man, I don't see – and then New York. <laughs> Actually, I'm glad you scrolled that. They have – I would be willing to bet they have the hardest schedule in baseball left. No. no. There's nothing but first-place teams there. Look, there's the A's, <laughs> they're too. Not, they're not. Houston. Houston. You say, no, nah, I'm looking it up after this episode. They have the hardest schedule left. I'm looking at what you're showing me. Randy, got, does that look one, like the hardest schedule in baseball oh, left? I Absolutely. got one, two, three, four, five, six. <laughs> He's going to focus on Arizona, and that's it. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Seven, eight, nine, ten. Eleven, twelve, thirteen. Fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. Seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25 games against teams that are below 500. And then all yeah. first place teams to match those 25 games. But, <laughs> but when it, that, that's irrelevant when you are a first place team. But they also are playing. They, I mean, they're five and five and they're last. It's not like, I mean, they're really what they're doing is every team, the top three teams in that division are all five. They're all 500 right now and have been well, playing 500 ball for a while. They didn't show me anything special when I was in St. Louis. I'll tell you that. And I didn't know most of that lineup just to back up what we had been joking about all year. Hey, when, when they play in the Rays in the world series, y'all be like, man, he told us. He told Nelson us Cruz hits a pinch hit home run. That's right, baby. Boom. All right. So, we got we got two options. We we can go we can go the 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 NBA route and talk Grizzlies, or we can go college football. Either one, there's there's a lot to talk about. So, Randy, I'm gonna give you the option here. You 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 pick the poison here. Well, I gotta talk about the Grizzlies. All right, let's do it. So, all right, we got all of a sudden it seemed like we knew the Grizzlies were going to have to do something and they were probably going to do some type of off season move. We got the draft coming up, but now all of a sudden, like over the past really 24 hours, Valanchunas is, is on the trading box. Steven Adams name keeps popping up. They're talking about picks talking about Eric Bled. So where are we at and what do you think is going to happen here? Yeah. So apparently they won't, there has been an anonymous source that, has to remain nameless because it can't take place until August 6th when the new year starts. But the trade would be essentially it's Jonas Valanciunas will be traded with the 17th pick to the Pelicans and the Grizzlies receive back Steven Adams, Eric Bledsoe, and the 10th pick. 
And there's a lot of there's some other picks in there, but I think the main thing that the Grizzlies are really trying to do that from what I've read is they will shed Bledsoe's contract. He's owed 17, 18 million. And even though when you look at it on paper, he's a two-time defensive uh, first team. You know, he can do that whole thing, but he just really never found his uh, niche in New Orleans. And maybe they're trying to retool that team. So, I, anyway, he's not going to be a part of their success. I hate losing Valanciunas because, uh, you know, I mentioned it before. He, at times last year, he was the most consistent player on the court for the Grizzlies. You got a young John Morant. You know, Jaron Jackson's coming out of, you know, off an injury. Desmond Bain, you know, the rookie. Xavier Tillman's kind of coming into his own. So, you know, I think that Steven Adams can anchor and be a lot better on defense. But what are we going to get on the offensive side? Because there were nights when Valanciunas would have 30 and 20. And uh, we haven't seen Steven Adams, even in his heyday with Russ, he wasn't a 30 and 20 guy. You might be talking about a 15 and 25, but he's just not an offensive guy. So uh, to me, what I think this signifies is that the Grizzlies front office is being creative in their ways to move around pieces. Um, and, and, and I don't think they're done making moves this offseason. I think they're going to try to attract uh, more um, draft picks, maybe even move into the top 10. And I don't think this is the end for sure for these moves. So is, is there any, I mean, I know what my answer is, but there's no re there's no reason not to trust what they're trying to do here. Right. They, they've proven that they can make good moves. Right. Yeah. I think that you have to trust them because they have given us no reason to not, which is so ironic coming from the fact that for years, we literally, they couldn't make a good draft pick. Let me ask you a question, Randy. Um, you know, you, most organizations, um, prefer not to let players have a voice, but do you think they talk to job before they make this move? I don't think they did because I don't think that jaw he is their franchise player and they, they've made that clear and he will be, but I don't know that he warrants that kind of respect just yet. You know, there are some players that do right. You know, Dwayne Wade obviously had that LeBron, uh, I think Giannis has that kind of pull, obviously, you know, deep. But I don't think Jaws reached that level of stardom just yet. Because would he really do that? I mean, what what difference? That's why, that's why I asked, because I don't yeah. think he would want to give up V. That's why I asked you that question. Yeah. And, but, like, you know, you touched on it, too. With Jaws being the shifty, uh, going to the rat guy, maybe it makes more sense to have a guy like Steven Adams because he did see the success that Steven Adams had. You know, with a if with he, a if he throws him the ball, the the thing that I noticed with Russ when he played with him, Stephen Adams has amazing hands, right? Like because and the reason I learned that was because as soon as Russ started playing with Capella, he'd bobble the ball when he get the no look passes or he get the lobs or whatever. And I realized that you know it's one of those underrated things that maybe you don't pay attention with a big man as much as is can they catch the ball well and finish well? And Stephen Adams can do that. I, I do know one thing that does signify is they're going to decline Justice Winslow's option, and, and I think that's the right move. And I've seen celebration all over Twitter. <laughs> it should, and, and I hate that because I think that he's has so much potential there, and, and if he had worked out, it would have been a hell of a trade, but it, it just didn't because the injuries, and he just never got back into form. But I, it's going to be interesting to see. And Like I said, though, don't be surprised if this isn't the last move they make. Yeah, I, I think the – well, I mean, I'll ask, Randy, is – is V going a better option than Dylan Brooks going? Man, yeah, I would give up V before I gave up Dylan Brooks. And I say that because Dylan Brooks showed us in the playoffs and, and those elimination games that he's a gamer. And this is the thing. I love Big V, 
And I didn't always agree with it, but at the end of the game, Big V wasn't even on the court because mm-hmm. he couldn't play defense. Pick and roll, Dude, they would Brooks kill him. He's in foul trouble. <laughs> well, that, that's true. We got to get that. But maybe this is maybe the, this is why maybe keeping Bledsoe for the year could help you because he is an on-the-ball defender, and he absolutely wants to be on the other team's best player. But Dylan showed us something that if he's just on the offensive side, man – he could he could literally average you 25 yeah if you go game. small and put the three of them together it but i mean by all accounts i think you thought they might be getting rid of blood so so I, I think they will be but it also and i touched on this a little bit earlier this also signifies the faith that they have in brandon clark and xavier tillman and jaron jackson obviously those are the cornerstones and they think that those guys are really the future because steven adams is not like a long-term yeah plan right He's well just then also i mean they moved up uh, you know, to the 10th pick. And so they're hoping that, I mean, I've heard a few names rattled around. They're hoping that they'll get one of the pieces that they're, they're hoping to add to it. What well, do you think the, that piece is though? Is it a wing? I mean, cause I, they got a man. lot of, they're kind of too deep at every position. I saw, <laughs> I saw a point guard, but I, I don't know why. Dude, we, we need like five up. We can go on five deep on the point right. guard. Let's just get it. We got so many point guards. We got Ja. But got- yes, it's to answer. I think it is because I think it's win because they brought. You know, they talked about slow mo, right? And this is this was the conversation. Look, like oh, whoa, look, look. Kyle Anderson is great, right? But they talked about it. Kyle Anderson was never on the Spurs teams that were dominating and winning, right? He was an after the fact, and so I think he maybe gets too much credit as you know, one of the great Spurs that came over. And while we've seen him make amazing plays, I mean, I've watched some of them right in front of my eyes, uh, you know, right there on the, the courtside game I got to. But um, is he a guy that, you know, at the end of the game necessarily, if, you know, and especially when we're talking about making buckets, is that is that the guy you want? I am, And I know that this is in the face of most Grizzlies fans. I'm not a slow-mo fan because I think that there's just, he was absolutely the most improved player that I'd seen in a long time. But what, when you watch that team play, that guy does not fit that style. And that's what I'm saying. And I think that's the guy, that's why I think the wing makes the most sense. Um, So I don't, I don't know. Um, You know, Daniel's got to pull up now. It sure does say point, point guard up. I think that's trash. I think you could see Moody go in that spot and, and, I don't know. You're going to see even Kispert. I'd even seen him, but I don't know that that guy really I want him to get the ten- I want him to get the Tennessee cat with mass athleticism. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there was a lot of talk when they were at 17, that they could get him uh Keon Johnson or uh, the other cat, but I, it's going to, I don't know, man. It's hold I on. Think- stop back on the wizards. Go back real quick, Daniel. Who are they looking at? Oh, somebody from Virginia, man. Damn it. He can, well, you know, he can play defense. <laughs> But if you go down Keon Johnson right there to the Thunder, that was a lot of what I think people thought that you could see the Grizzlies draft if he was still there at 17. But obviously they, they're making a move to get up higher. You, we know they have somebody in mind. They've done good drafting. Hey, we can't knock them for that. The, you know, the last few years they've, they've done well. Absolutely. Between Ja and Tillman and even the guy Desmond Bain, uh, Brandon Clark, they've really hit on their last four, I know, for sure. I think – for those guys, especially that you just mentioned, I think this is a pretty telling year. Like, this is going to be a make or break year for those those guys. Um, hopefully, it's a make year, and then you have that decision on okay, who are we keeping and who do we got to let go? Because eventually, if if all of them pan out to be good, you know, the Grizzlies just because of, of the market, they have to make that decision. 
All right, Randy, I got a this or that question for you. Better, better odds, the Grizzlies are a top four seed in the West or the United States men's basketball team wins gold? <laughs> ah, no, man, definitely the United States men's basketball team. I don't see the Grizzlies. Man, that's a tough one. <laughs> I'm going to ask you guys a question about that. Does this team even care? The, the Damian Lillard comments are so revealing and pisses me off because of how much I love Dame and respect him as a competitor. But for him to say that other players represent their countries and play harder, what do you do then? You play for the United States. You got that flag on. Why aren't you playing harder? I couldn't agree more. I didn't like any of that. And then you see – and also, Bam, and I've been a huge Bam fan. I tried to get DB to be a – he has been god-awful. Can Booker come in and save the day? He's a killer. Yeah, I'm gonna tell y'all something, man. Because I'm always, I'm gonna kind of do. I'm gonna pull a gym here. I gotta bring out my boy, my boy Kobe. That boy was 25 and 0. He came back and saved Olympic basketball. And look at what it is now. Look at what they're doing in his honor. Do you, mm. do you guys think that it's like part of this is because they're running like a Spurs offense with Popovich and like just let them get out there and be athletic and just. <laughs> Beat like play I like it's say, a pickup game. Play a pickup game. Essentially, yeah. Who who is going to stop them? Hey, let me. It say ain't th- it ain't France. Let me say this in regards because I brought up Booker, but they were talking about Middleton and Holiday joining them, right? And let let me ask you guys this because I disagree with what was said on the radio. I highly disagree, and maybe and may, maybe it's because you know I am, I am a big USA guy. I am somebody who served. I believe in representing this country. They were saying it was stupid for Middleton and Holiday after such a long season and winning a championship to go play for the Olympic team. And for me, I thought, what better than to win an NBA championship and then throw a gold medal around your neck too? I agree. And if you watched any of that game, the only player that was playing hard was Drew Holiday. Shout out to my boy Drew Holiday. I mean, I, I even if if COVID wasn't a thing, do you guys think that the – the attitude would be the same with some of those guys. I just don't know that they care. I, I, I mean, I don't either. I don't. Th- I mean, there's there's no way they care. They they wouldn't be losing. They're so much more talented than any other team. They wouldn't be losing. Three out of four. Are you kidding me? I hear you. I mean, but 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 I'll hey Daniel. I'll use the soccer you uh, Olympic thing to give you some some belief in them. So the women came out and lost in the in their first soccer game, right? And everybody freaked out. And then they and then they threw out that they did that um, last run, and then they ran off forty four straight games, whether you know in in Olympic play or um, uh, scrimmage play, whatever. You know, you know, what I'm trying to say exhibition. That's what I'm looking for. Anyway, so maybe they're going to take a, a page from the women's soccer team, and you know, they're just going to run off the rest. I mean, with that analogy, and I I don't know the answer to this, is when it comes to women, Team USA women's soccer, and the caliber of players, are they equal or better than women, USA women's soccer? So is the other world teams, are they equal to or better than USA's team? No, USA is the heavy favorite every year so i i would probably say that usa is a heavy favorite in basketball but i i believe that the talent level in the world 
is probably a lot better. I'd agree. I mean, if you look at how many foreign players are in the NBA right now, and the, but hey, let me ask you: for a guy who didn't play that well this season in Fournier, he how y'all how y'all gonna let that dude come out and ball on you? <laughs> and then talk his shit too. <laughs> I, I, respect. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what to think about it, guys, but um, I haven't been watching any of it. Um, obviously, Randy had to have watched this last game to to see that they didn't play the heart. But I, I just read the co- the comments from the players. And so I have to agree with Randy. I didn't see the play, but I heard the comments and it just seems like they don't care. Yeah, I mean, it, it, here's what here's how I leave it. If. If you're selected to be on that team, you have the option of saying yes or saying no. Some of the players, and I would say arguably our best players, said no. So if you're saying yes, then fucking go out there and give a shit and give it all you got and represent the way that you would represent for your NBA team because it's it's one of those things that it's it's prestigious. It's an honor to be selected for the Olympics and – why you don't while you don't care about it there are other athletes in the olympics that do care and you because of your name you get all this credibility and this 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 attention that other people don't get and you kind of devalue the olympics when you go and you don't care if 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 i walked into carmelo anthony's trophy room and i saw that there wasn't an nba championship there but i saw there was three gold medals I, i wouldn't have a negative thing to say to that man that's three gold medals. Nope. So with that, let's let's move on to the, the, the hot ticket. This is the big one. College football. And it's it's crazy that over the past week there have been rumors swirling about Texas and Oklahoma leaving the Big 12 and moving to the SEC. And, you know, I, I've read all kinds of crazy stuff, whether it's true or not. But now there's some some talks that um, TCU and, and teams are going to move to the Pac-12 and like it, it's craziness. But starting with you, Randy, what is your take on this whole? Is it a realignment? Are we creating a super conference? What is this movement of these two teams, Texas and Oklahoma, going to do for the landscape of college football? It's going to change it forever because what you're saying is you're taking the biggest names in the Big 12 and, you know, merging them with the SEC. And it's this is probably not the end of it. You know, a lot of the rumors are that they're going to make it a 20-team super conference and eventually, you know, but what you're going to have, it's going to change everything because I think right now you can only have so many. They're moving to a 12-team college playoff, but you can only have, I think it's, what, three teams from the conference or four teams from the conference. It's 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 going to change the way that we look at it. And also the TV deals, it's the rich getting richer because the SEC is a conference. Yes, it is the best year after year. Don't even care if they win the championship. But Texas has more money. You guys know this, more endowment. More, they make more revenue than any other team. So joining those teams, they actually have their own TV deal. And, so and just and hey, to piggyback on that, Randy, that was one of the things they talked about. Texas A&M hates this the most because Texas gets, you know, all the acknowledgement. They are in their shadow. So Texas A&M left the Big 12, went to the SEC, got away from Texas, and here they are right back. back in the – yeah. 
And what's weird is they talk about the way this went down. It was like some back room channels is that they were having meetings, but didn't invite Texas A&M. Yeah. So, but I mean, what the hell, what are they going to do? Oh, well, okay. We'll go back to the big 12. What's the big 12 going to be? I mean, probably nothing. And, and unfortunately this is probably the time that, you know, a team like Memphis can get into a big 12. That's unfortunate to say, but I, it's just the reality of the deal. So Jim, what, what now happens to, all right, let's, 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 you know, pontificate a little bit. Let's say this move happens and let's say we're, we're getting ready for this season to start whenever that is. What does the conference look like as far as who's playing who and what division? I mean, I got so excited. I got, I sent y'all this. I got so excited um this you know this isn't 100 how it's going to be it's what they want it to be and when i saw that alabama was going to move out of the west to the east with tennessee and randy i was like let it happen i don't mind playing texas or oklahoma at all and that's that's an so but if if it was to lay out the way they have it is the west was was Oklahoma, Mississippi State, Texas, Texas A&M, Ole Miss, LSU, Arkansas, Missouri. The East is Bama, Vandy, Georgia, South Carolina, Auburn, Kentucky, Tennessee, Florida. What I would say is that actually balances those conferences a, a lot more. When I look at it from top to bottom, um, as opposed to like the the East always being so top heavy. Um, and I know Randy hates that, but like I mean, I think it, I think it would balance it more. I think. Um, the games would be more exciting. Here, here's the thing. So you asked about how what's the schedule look like. Um, you're going to have to pick, because of the way it's always been formatted, is you play a certain amount from the other conference, and then there's that one team that they basically rival you up with from the other side. So for LSU, that's always been Florida. Um, I would be interested to see how they pair all of that out. But I mean, I'm all in for it. Bring bring them in and let's have more exciting games. Are you are you, are you kidding me? Like, if, if my first thought was like seriously, and then I thought, you know what, more good games. Let's do it. You you mentioned Alabama moving over to the west, away from your team, to the east, or to the what what team is that? What team is your team? Whoa, that that's no, don't even do that. That hasn't to, even been a conflict. And to be fair. Oh, doesn't really make a difference to me because Tennessee plays Alabama every year anyway. I mean, it's always the third Saturday in October, so that doesn't really change shit. I, I know. Hold on, I'm not okay with this shot he took. Man, the, the baseball thing was, <laughs> I was one thing. The, on. the, the, the football thing is uncalled for, and I, you know what? Screw you. Hey, that's that's what I'm here for. So, okay, so this happens. Do they add more teams to the SEC? And if so, who are they adding? Who who else is out there that Ohio State? They're gonna go still in Clemson. They're gonna go still the big boys from every other conference. No, um, I think they will absolutely go for Clemson, Florida State, those kind of teams. Florida I don't State think... would actually make sense when you talk about. I mean, because I mean Miami geographically, they're closer than Florida, are they not? Tallahassee's closer than Gainesville than the rest of them. Yeah, so they could kick Florida out. That'd be cool. <laughs> I mean, it's. 20 teams is just great. Like, but then, but didn't you say, but didn't you say in a message, Randy, it was all for one super, just like 
mega conference altogether that you believe from the get-go? Like, this is just yeah. the first move? Yeah, and then, then I think you see the NCAA. It sounds drastic, but I think the NCAA is going to go away. You do not need the NCAA if you have a super conference like that. But what it will absolutely do is it takes teams like, you know, Memphis or, or Team Cincinnati or teams like that, and what, what do they do? Are they essentially going to be now a Division II? I, I'm not saying they should be at all. And but DB, I, I got to ask you that as as a as a diehard Memphis fan, what's what's next? Because to me, I think the AAC is a little stronger now than the Big Twelve without Texas and Oklahoma. So maybe they take on some of those teams rather than Memphis jumping to the Big Twelve. Yeah, um, there. There's two ways to look at it. You you can look at it from a a, a balancing standpoint. The SEC had like, and we'll, we'll be matter of fact about this. Vanderbilt and the SEC. Most people will look at that game and go, "Okay, that's one that we're going to win." Okay, Missouri as of late, that's a game that we're probably going to win. Um, you, to me, you need to have some balance of some teams that you know you're going to beat, not cupcakes, but like, yeah, like there's some, needs to be some balance of some teams that you know you're going to beat. Randy looked like he wanted to say something in the mic, and I think he oh, used to no. say something about LSU losing to Missouri. I feel like that was all this. No, 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 no. I thought, <laughs> I, I thought DB was about to be like, well, you see Tennessee, and that's probably a win. <laughs> I didn't I didn't go there. I know, so I just backed up. I'm, I'm, I'm going you know. to give you all this year, and then, then I'll hold that comment for them. But, you know, looking at Memphis, like, you got to make the best of a, of a shitty situation. So, like, if – West Virginia and TCU and Oklahoma State and those guys come knocking like you. I think you got to make a move like that. But, but I don't think they're – I think not for us trying to be biased. I mean, when you look at how good they've got in football and you look at the potential of basketball, I think Memphis is great to come to your conference. Well, in basketball, yeah. But, like, in football, you're just now drawing – you know, the recruits that you want, you're, you're starting to make a name for yourself. And like, now, like, I, I don't know, like I'm at a loss of what this does for that, that, that middle tier of team like Memphis, like what, what do you do? Well, Randy, how what soon can this happen? happen? Because I saw it said something about the withdrawal of 2025. So are, are we, are we talking four years from now? Yeah. You're talking four because and because it's the TV deal. I mean, nobody's giving up that money. That's that's where it's all boils down to. But just talking about revenue share, because you know I always got to take this back to money. The revenue share from the conference is a huge bump. Their anticipated revenue share per school is sixty four million a year by adding Texas and Oklahoma. That's up twenty million dollars from what SEC teams are earning now. So it's a win for both sides. And they wonder why these kids won name, image, and likeness. Yeah, so yeah, right now everybody Vanderbilt is getting 44 million and they're saying that by Texas and Oklahoma joining everybody's going to get 64 million. I mean, it's that's that's a that's a win, boys, for everybody. I mean, that's just Nick Saban could just get paid even more now. And also with this Greg Sankey is going to become the most powerful man in college, in college athletics. He will be he is going to be 10 times bigger then Mark Emmert and the NCAA is going to go away. I'm telling you, by 2025, there'll be no NCAA. 
All right, you heard it here first. And off the bench, breaking news. Randy, Randy's breaking it to you four years early. I mean, it's going to be like a amateur professional league, essentially. Yeah, so all these XFLs and CF, whatever they are, you know, we've had it the whole time. Now this is the league that's going to be. This is your AAA to the NFL right here. Yep. Now, that's a, that's a good point. If that's the case, is there any changing of the rule as when they can leave? Hmm. No, because the NFL, I'm pretty sure, is the one that makes that rule. And then they don't want 18-year-old, 19-year-old kids out there. Go ahead. I mean, they, they, they want to be woke. Go ahead and put them on out there. <laughs> you, well, hell, some of them guys, you know, are 315 at 18 years old. They might could hang. Um, after after what I saw in baseball this year and then what I've seen with guys who've stuck in basketball – and then obviously you have to in football. I wish they did have to stay for uh, two, three years, no matter what, in every sport. I mean, develop me, developmentally, yeah. But you're always going to have an incoming group of players. But I, I feel like you got to have some type of leniency on letting guys leave early because if not, you're going to have an overabundance of people well, what people will try to do is they'll try to use the NBA as the example. And Randy will tell you, a lot, a lot of people love to throw out the big names like, you know, you know the Kobe's and whatnot, and LeBron who skipped uh, college. But there's a lot more guys who failed than succeeded. But they're never going to talk about that. They're just going to talk about the guys oh, who made it. For sure. And those are a handful, like the Kevin Garnett's. Those are not – that's not the norm. All right, guys, let's move into the last call, Jim. One quick it. last thing, one quick thing. Right, what this it. will do, if the AAC, Mike Oresco is in a huge power position right here. If he can if he can manage to pull in a couple of those teams, maybe Kansas for basketball, whatever it is, the AAC could finally be a power six for at least a couple years. So <laughs> shout out Mike Oresco, make it happen, baby. Go do it, bro. Go do it. Last call, Jim, you got anything? Yeah, we were touching on the Olympics. I, I think it's worth noting that the uh, USA is leading right now the Olympic count with uh, 19 medals, uh, eight of them gold. So shout out Team USA. Go on, get it, Team USA. Randy, any la last moment, little tidbit? The only tidbit is I want to give everybody an update on one of our first entertainment posts, Jerry Falwell Jr., Yes. Has requested that the lawsuit dismissed and says that an excuse to shame him and his family's name, who, as you know, from listening to this podcast, his father created Liberty University and they're using his wife's affair with the pool boy and his alleged involvement to shame him and his father's name. He has asked that it's between 502.5 million in severance and for them to dismiss their lawsuit against him. So more to come. This was just filed on uh, July the 5th. So more to come. It's only a few weeks old, but I feel like Jerry Falwell's about to get the bag and go away. Him, the pool boy, and his wife are going to be on an island together forever. <laughs> man, what a – man, that's hot stuff. Like, I, I'm excited now because now I feel like there's, there's some more of this saga to, to hear about, man, and – what a year it's been for Liberty University in general. Like, 
from that to football to basketball like it's it's been a pretty don't forget they made it in baseball too baseball too i mean a very successful year for for liberty so i i mean it if jerry i think jerry is is you got to give him some credit for that so go ahead and pay that man like you had your best season with all this going on like it's got to be him I, i don't know what else it could be um Guys, on on my end for last call, you got CrossFit Games starting up on Thursday, and you get to crown the fittest on earth. And are you competing? I am not, but y'all are snoring about this. But y'all, <laughs> y'all are the same dudes that are starting a seventy-five day challenge where you're working out twice in one day. So, y'all are closer to being a CrossFit Games athlete than I am right now because I ain't working out at all. So, there's that. But, uh, guys, let's get out of here. Another good episode. I want to thank Thomas Pickens for joining us. Looking forward to a, a great Memphis football season. And if you like hearing us average Joes talk X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook. Retweet us on Twitter. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. As always, your comments, ratings, and feedback is always welcome. We'll see everyone next week for episode 23, where we're going to be continuing our football discussions with Ole Miss football defensive lineman, Tarikius Tisdale. This has been the In Off the Bench podcast. Always remember, strong body, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We're out.